On this episode of Fit the Books Podcast, Emery and I discuss the impending doom of the comic book industry and the many books that are probably not coming to your local comic book shops. Again, when you can, please support your local comic book shops. In a very depressingly mediocre edition of Hit the Books Podcast. Mediocre! Stay tuned! Hello and welcome to episode 50. That's right, 5-0, halfway to 100. It sounds like the police are coming. Of Hit the Books Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we are here to give you all the saucy deets on everything comics this week. For those of you unaware, this is your weekly comic book podcast where Emery and I, and perhaps a guest, run you through the latest news, comic book releases coming to your local comic book shops. Please... Whenever you can, even in these trying times, support your local comic book shops. And discuss a topic about the world of comic books for your amusement. If that sounds like a good time, be sure to hit like and subscribe, hit the bell, and rate well elsewhere. It really, really does help us out. You can find us on YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Podbean, I'm sure there's many more. Basically every podcast service of your choice, uh, except for SoundCloud. So... Feel free to go out and look for those. If there's a service you want us on, let me know. If they have an RSS feed support, I'll try to get us on there as well. Um, But we're on pretty much every major platform, so feel free to go look out and check us out. We're also on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash hit the books. If you would like to support the show and help keep us running, we'd be very grateful. Once again, thank you to Heather Reap for being an executive producer for a long time on the show. We really do appreciate your support. And, of course, thank you to all the past and present contributors to our Patreon. We very much appreciate you. Uh, you do help us improve the show and keep the show going at a regular pace. We've been very consistent keeping up our weekly shows, which is great because we haven't been <laughs> as consistent as this in a long time, uh, which is always good to get back to our roots now that our studio's back and uh, everything's up and running. Of course, we're doing this amid a big pandemic worldwide, so obviously things are complicated. A little bit. So stay tuned for any future updates. Things seem to be going pretty smoothly right now, but that can always change depending on job status, live status, whether we get sick or not, all these different things. So, uh, of course, Emery and I are practicing safe spacing here with Bob as the obvious victim in the situation, receiving the brunt of the viruses between the two of us. So... Thank you, Bob, for being our dark knight and absorbing all of the fatal pathogens. All of them. And of course, if you want to see more Batman content, we just recorded the second episode of our comic movie master list, where we go through every comic movie in cinema history, as long as it meets our standards, and we review it. Obviously, we're doing them in uh, the order they were actually released. The first one we did was Superman and the Mole Men, which is still out there for your enjoyment. And the one we just did was Batman circa 1966, starring Adam West and Burt Ward as Batman and Robin. Yeah. So that will probably hit uh, our channels before this episode of the podcast. So definitely go out and look at it. Uh, Because of that, this episode will probably be like a day or two late. But not too big a deal since there's not really any comic books (laughs) releasing this Wednesday. They're 
pretty much all either being suspended or canceled outright, uh, which we're going to get to in the news topic. Very depressing stuff. Um, this episode's probably going to be pretty heavy. There's a lot of very sad and depressing news. Um, we apologize. <laughs> we're trying to give you more distractions. If you want a more happy distraction, go watch our comic movie master list episodes. They're a lot more fun. Today, unfortunately, because of the situation, because of the crises, and because of the quarantines and the businesses being shut down, it's causing a lot of mayhem for employees, artists, creators, producers, managers of every industry, but particularly for the comic book industry, which is maybe one or two disasters away from extinction already, which is not a good thing because it's the source material for basically all of our media, whether it's video games, movies books you know expanded universe comic books artwork even music and stuff is influenced by comic books and comic book media so it's more important now than ever to try to help this industry stay alive so if you have your local comic book shops by all means reach out to them i know a lot of shops are doing different strategies one of ours world's greatest comics they've been hosting weekly auctions of their back uh titles a lot of golden age stuff silver age stuff obviously variants they have that are valuable that they want to sell off first appearances you know that may or may not be in good or bad condition but obviously they're very upfront about it but uh that's one way that uh, a lot of places have been been helped another one laughing ogre comics uh, a fan of theirs started a GoFundMe to help them pay their employees for the next few weeks and raise the money very quickly because they have a very strong, dedicated fan base and they're a very well-run company as well. So that's just a few examples. Other companies have been trying to ship out books that they have in stock or selling stuff on eBay to try to stay afloat. I really fear for a lot of these companies because production is basically cut off as of April 1st. If you watched the last episode of the podcast, we discussed it on our News topic. So again, very depressing stuff. We're gonna probably dive in deep on it. Um, hopefully, we'll keep this episode, you know, as short as possible. But there's a lot to talk about. We're probably gonna rehash things that we've talked about previous episodes. You know, the past two at least quite a bit. So forgive us if we're kind of starting to sound like a broken record. But frankly, it's the most important thing in the industry right now. Yeah, and as it. Uh as it pertains to the comic book industry in general, we are most likely going to be parroting some things that we've said before, if for no other reason, then it seems as though we're going to be in this bad situation for a while, perhaps even a few months. Yeah, probably longer than we expected. We know there's yeah. some estimates, you know, here in Ohio, our governor has been very proactive about it. You know, there's obviously consequences to that, business consequences primarily. You know, one can argue, you know, what's the value of a a person's life over a dollar? I get it. You know, if you lose your job, but you're still alive, it's a (laughs) win-win. But uh, it's it's tough, you know. There's a lot of children's Mm -hmm. mouths that depend on people being employed and these... You know, these unemployment offices are so bombarded by all of the new requests that they can't get requests processed and out there to the people. There's supposed to be the stimulus checks, but we're not even going to see them unless we have a direct deposit set up for several weeks. And if you don't have a direct deposit set up with the IRS, then you're probably not going to see it for months, which is, you know, incredible. And it's, you know, 1200 bucks, which, you know, 
it's nothing to sneeze at, but a one-time payment of 1200 bucks is not going to keep people afloat for several months of this, you know, if they become, I mean, uh, I won't disclose who I work for, but my company just went through a round of layoffs throughout the entire company. Thankfully, I'm okay, and I still have a job, which is why I'm able to happily still do this show, but other people weren't so lucky, and if they had dependents especially, they're really in trouble. Especially if you're you have you know expensive mortgages or car payments or whatever that you're you know intending on having these jobs. Sure, you might have savings if you're lucky, but uh, I think there's been a lot of studies out there that more than half of America's population can't withstand a single $500 emergency, let alone you know several. Meaning, uh, you know, rent, mortgages, car payments, insurance, utilities, you name it. So yeah, it's a. Uh... The difference between being put through a random $500 emergency and being forced to undergo unemployment in the midst of a crisis that is forcing you to stay at home, thus making bills mount up over the course of, we can only guess as to how many months, well, that situation has gone from bad too far, far worse than any of us anticipated. And you got to think, you know, how many people are out there that, you know, they owe child support or they owe alimony or they have other factors that are draining their bank accounts in addition to losing their jobs potentially or having some kind of, you know, incident or emergency that they have to pay for or medical bills or student debt, whatever the case is, all this stuff adds up. And when you hit this one huge emergency that doesn't seem to have an end in sight necessarily. You know, thankfully in Ohio, it seems like the rates have slowed down a little bit since they've taken all these actions. But elsewhere in the country, it's radically not the, the case, especially on the coastal areas. Yeah. So, again, you know, this is a worldwide pandemic. We're obviously focused more on the Midwest and the United States because that's where we live. But obviously, it's affecting people worldwide. And it's a problem. It's a It's a huge factor that we have to take into account and worry about and the comic book industry is no exception so again apologies it's going to be a little depressing as we get into the news and everything but uh unfortunately it's unavoidable but first before that why don't we talk about what we've been reading have you read anything new lately um let's see i know i have been keeping myself current on spawn um I've been also keeping myself current on X-Men because I hate myself. Um, Why do you do it? Just stop. Just say no. Uh, Look. Just say no. Look, I've been ride or die with the X-Men for this long. I have to... uh, Look, I'm just getting more and more confirmation that either you die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And, well, it's becoming more and more clear, especially as more and more of, and I can't believe this was ever a thing that was okayed, Mr. Sinister's further involvement in helping and running the X-Men and some of their missions. Because why not? Because why not? Uh, we got to reveal that uh, a Sinister clone of Jean Grey, the Goblin, uh, the Goblin Queen, Madeline Pryor, she's back. She's a thing. Because why not? Because why not? 
Uh, it's not like Gold Balls hasn't given birth to several Jean Grey <laughs> clones already. Hot. Yeah, reading that and reading, uh, I think that was actually part of the giant size Nightcrawler, which was a a very odd attempt at a spooky story about a haunted mansion. Uh, I, I bet you won't guess which mansion it was. Was it Xavier's? Uh, hey, how did you guess it in that single try? <laughs> Pretty good at this. <laughs> Yeah, it was haunted by bugs. I think I'm learning what? some detective skills from Adam West and uh, Burt Ward there. Oh, yeah. So that well, brilliant you, judgment. You, you jumped straight to that conclusion. Sea. The ocean. Sea. Like the sea in Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a tasty little bit for you there, if you want to go check that review out. Yeah, we just got done recording that one. We did. That was, it, it's getting oh. late, so if we start droning and getting sleepy looking and passing out on our mics, we apologize. It is a work night for both of us, <laughs> Yeah, and we do have to wake up early, but we wanted to get these episodes recorded and out there for you to enjoy, so... Uh, apologies if we start to drone on a little bit, especially <laughs> with all this depressing news. Yeah. Yeah. Um, while I would love to continue to drone on about the continued villainy of the plant-based Krakoa living X-Men, it, it, I, I'll just say this. One of the last things that I can recall seeing was a panel in which uh, child uh, mutant Franklin Richards, child of the two like parents in the Fantastic Four, was being looked at via hologram by Mr. Sinister. So you can only guess as to any kind of potential plans that a known constant villain... Might have. I mean, his name is literally Mr. Sinister. Literally! (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how more obvious it can get. It's like when this group of heroes called the X-Men decides to uh, ally themselves with people by the name of Mr. Sinister, the Hellfire Club... The Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. <laughs> <laughs> and a guy named Apocalypse who regularly rolls around with four fucking horsemen. I think you are being namist. Namist. And I think uh, you are being very exceptionalist and you should stop judging a book by its named cover. Okay. Uh, right. I, the I want... X-Men preach acceptance of all mutants and fuck off non-mutants. Thank you. <laughs> right. They do... Preach, I rest my case. They do preach acceptance of all mutants, and they also preach su- mutant supremacy. <laughs> What's the difference? What What really is the difference? <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh... when you have a panel that literally has Magneto referring referring to himself and mutants in general as the new gods of this earth. (laughs) 
What are we doing? Who okayed this? Who okayed this as something that the man who had been professing peace and coexistence would not even just go along with for whatever reason, but would spearhead? <sighs> Intriguing. And I, I keep reading it. Because he's a masochist. I am a masochist. He enjoys his salty food and and salty content. And uh, the things that just make me salty. (laughs) (laughs) I keep reading because I'm waiting for literally any writer to bring this whole thing down. And so far, we've already got uh, one of the X-Men murdered who literally can come back for some reason. I don't know why. It has yet to be revealed. For some reason, it's Kitty Pride of all people. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Kitty Pride, the person that was recently inducted by Sebastian Shaw as the Red Queen of the Hellfire Club and leader of a mutant band of pirates called, and I shit you not, the Marauders. Man, X-Men's really dumb. <laughs> what has happened? That used to be my favorite Marvel book. Oh. Uh, I did, haven't did, read it in a while, so did, I can't pass judgment now. But uh, Have I shown you the panel of Pyro where he tattooed a skull onto his face? I don't need to see that. <laughs> Let's just be real. I don't need to see that. <laughs> Just like when you made me watch Suicide Squad, the movie. You went and let me live in my little illusion. Forced it upon me, you son of a bitch. Look, if I have to suffer through Hickman... That's not how suffering works. (laughs) Misery loves company, but it doesn't need company. Fuck off. No. Well, uh, if you got nothing else for us, uh, yeah, no, that that that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we weren't trying to be depressing, but you know, y- yeah, that's Marvy. It's where we are right now. He's a salty son of a bitch, and he just he needs to vent. And yeah. this is the only place to do it. I I need to vent. I need so people fans. To know. If you need to vent in the comments, by all means, we're here for you. <sighs> what have you been reading? So my, I talked about on last episode of the podcast, I really wanted to get into some AWA uh, titles. It's kind of a newer company on the block. Uh, it's artists, writers, and something that starts with A, but I can't remember what it is. I just call them AWA because that's what's on the logo on their books. Yeah. They won a cover of the week recently with, uh, I think it's, was it No Man's Land? Is that what it's called? I'd have to look it up. It's again, it's late. Forgive us. Yeah. But uh, I really jumped into it and was going to read a bunch of books. And then I just got busy and wasn't able to because of work and uh, commitments, you know, from the family. So I did finish my run on Batman Curse of the White Knight. I don't know if I I know I talked about it last episode, but I don't know if I talked about the last issues that I read that were the final issues of the the run. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's really all I have to talk about. And what did you think? I liked it a lot. 
So just setting the groundwork. There's going to be some criticisms coming after this because, of course, it's me. All yeah. I do is criticize things. Uh, <laughs> but I I really did overall like it a lot. I did not like it as much as the first run of Sean Gordon Murphy's Batman the White Knight. Batman the White Knight was much more character-driven. I think very much character-focused. Very well done. Uh, very well orchestrated. Um, surprising twists and turns that were, you know, th- yes, they subverted expectation a little bit, but they didn't not make sense. Like, you know, certain Star Wars franchises we've talked about <laughs> with right. Ryan Johnson. Uh, there's, he just did it so masterfully. The dialogue was very good. The artwork is outstanding. Sean Gordon Murphy's known, obviously, as an artist more than anything prior to these books. And I'm really, really excited for where this goes after this. I know he's making uh, books about Nightwing in this book, you know, as a separate book in the future. And they're kind of making a Sean Gordon Murphy verse. Um, Not unlike when Scott Snyder really took off with the Batman series and kind of got to make his own kind of DC universe. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. I think... You know, Scott Snyder's kind of gotten a little long in the tooth with his ideas with the recent, you know, Dark Knight's heavy metal stuff. And yeah, it's pretty cringeworthy. (laughs) I got (laughs) to be honest. You know, there's good things. You know, Scott Scott Snyder's a great writer. You know, I can't take that away from him at all. But I just don't think what he's been doing recently is necessarily the best direction for the main universe of the DC uh, canon. But again, you know, that's an aside. Um, Sean Gordon Murphy's run with Curse of the White Knight has a lot of the same kind of twists and turns, but they come so rapidly and and in quick succession. Um, It's kind of a spin, as we talked about last episode of Nightfall, the classic story where Batman gets his back broken by Bane and then for some undiscernible reason decides that Asriel, this fucking murderous crusader knight, should take over the bat mantle over any of his former wards or any of the people he trained or any of the fellow superheroes he trusts. <laughs> he chooses the murderous crusader who then wears this giant robot bat suit and begins murdering everyone. Um, wow. Uh, I didn't really see that one coming. Which again, I, I talked about it last episode. I think Nightfall is the most overrated bullshit comic of all time. It's just it has one good moment. The artwork is not good necessarily. It's iconic because of the moment of Bane getting breaking Batman's back and Batman not being Batman. Mm-hmm. I get why it's iconic, but it's not a good book. It's mm. not well told. It's not a good story. The fallout is actually more interesting, but this is a much more respectable take on it. It's much more co- coherent in a very comic booky way. I was disappointed, I talked about formally, because it didn't kind of follow up on the Von Fries storyline. That was that a missed they, opportunity. They clearly made and hinted at at the end of the first run of Batman the White Knight. And this book just kind of drops the ball on that completely, which yeah, is really disappointed because c- that's what I wanted to follow up on and what I thought would kind of expand the yeah, story and the universe. completely left that one alone. And it, it replaced it with this kind of supernatural-esque, <laughs> you know, kind of 
weird crusader mystery so so supernatural s that edrigan actually appears in the book which is interesting um just really weird (laughs) spin from the original one which is very much more of a grounded story you know as much as comic books with superheroes can be grounded right and i just i felt it was very jarring very just strange uh turn you know, from the direction we were originally going with the original book. I don't think, again, baseline, I really love the book. I love the artwork. I still enjoyed the story a lot. I enjoyed the story beats. It's very exciting. If you want exciting, event-driven comics that aren't too long in the tooth, they certainly don't waste time getting shit done in this book. Because <laughs> it's more shit happens in these seven issues than happens in the entire run of the first you know, Batman and the White Knight many times over, I would say. I mean, there's there's a part of the book that is so shocking because of the connotations for the future of this universe because basically everybody in, that is relevant in Batman lore is not really relevant for the future anymore because of the events in this book, including the primary antagonist of the two books, which is very strange, very weird. I don't know how they're going to get around it without more supernatural bullshit, which is absolutely not what I want <laughs> from this book. Uh, may, that's just my taste. But Yeah. Uh, took it, a very different turn. I'm very worried that this is going to go in a very terrible direction. But again, Sean Gore Murphy proved to me that even though this is a jarring left turn from straight that it was still enjoyable, fun experience. I really love it. It's easily the best thing in comic books right now, in my opinion. You know, I'm not obviously reading every single book out there. I'm sure there's a lot of great books from Image and IDW and Dark Horse and, you know, outside of the DC worlds. Obviously, I don't read a lot of Marvel. That's more your alley. Um, But for me, it's just so good and such high quality, such consistent quality, even though it's a weaker premise overall that I just can't help but recommend it to everybody out there. Read the first run of the series, Batman and the White Knight, if you can, and then follow that up with Batman Curse of the White Knight. It's a very fun follow-up. It's unlike Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns, which is very iconic, very great story, um, was followed up by a sequel that was absolutely not good. Yeah, It was not good in any form of the word, in my opinion. You know, I'm sure there's contrarian opinions out there, but I think for the most part, it's not very well regarded. And then they made a third <laughs> set of stories that I don't think Frank Miller really wrote. I think he just was kind of a contributor. And it, and that, even that wasn't very well received, even though it had kind of the 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 2020 vision of how the second version was received. So I'm hoping that this doesn't go that route and just keeps degrading in quality with time. But so far, it's the end of the book. It ends at issue seven. So really easy, quick read between all the books. Really high quality artwork. Really high quality storytelling. Uh, fun characters and different interpretations. And you get a nice little cameo at the end that kind of sets the <laughs> stage and kind of screws up what you remember. I need to go back and read the first run because I thought they had said something very specific. Oh, they did. And it's apparently not true at all. Uh, for a very obvious reason. Yeah, there's a a reveal that I kind of wish wasn't 
a thing that he had put at the end of Curse of the White Knight, but I know why, and well... I just don't think the the way he did it makes a lot of sense. It's kind of out of nowhere. Unless he's already came up with a story for it, which, you know, I have faith that he does, but it's the, the context is what's important. Not that it happened, but the context of why it happened is and how it's happening is very strange. Yeah. And I just don't know how to read into it. Again, a lot of the Batman rogues gallery and a lot of the batman support cast is not necessarily going to be a factor going forward so you're kind of working with very limited resources where the first book had a lot of characters and character work but it was kind of character focused around three or four characters and kind of hit story beat after story beat with very well fleshed out character moments and character inner dialogues and that sort of thing the second one was very much the opposite, where it's very event-focused, where it had one big event to one big event to one big event to one major event to another major event to an even bigger event, and then an end. A really quick, you know, sudden stop. <laughs> so it, d- it didn't have quite the same pacing uh, expertise exhibited in this book. But now I don't even see how you maintain that pace, you know. So it's like the first one was kind of a slow, really well-drawn-out, you know, deliberate storytelling arc second one was kind of a rush spastic event driven event motivated story arc uh, with good character moments of course sprinkled in there but not fleshed out as much as they were in the first book now for the third run i just don't see where you go unless he already has some big arcing story revolving around like three characters i can think of uh you did mention that uh, there are were plans specifically for doing something with Nightwing? Yeah, there's one with Nightwing, and I think there's also going to be one for Batgirl. I don't have confirmation of that, but it's there. Yeah. Um, I could see him wanting to focus on stories that kind of branch out and further like separate themselves from batman and maybe gotham at large um i could also see him well doing something with the character that he brings back all the way at the end of curse of the white knight (laughs) it would be it would be kind of obvious and kind of like okay let's try to do my own spin on this one character that Apparently, people who write for Batman really like messing with this character. I think I know what you're addressing, but Mm -hmm. I'm kind of worried they go that route because they already kind of repeated history with this pseudo new interpretation of Nightfall. Right. And they sprinkled new interpretations of past events. You know, again, I don't want to spoil anything because I want you to read it because it it is genuinely shocking when these events happen. So. I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a lot of other things, major incidents from Batman lore that happen in this second stretch of books in Curse of the White Knight that are kind of repeated, but in a new, unique way, which is refreshing, but also kind of like, oh, we're doing like this again. Kind of, like we thought we moved hit past these beats this. before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I fear that 
with what they did at the end of this book and what you're talking about, which would be great for me to watch, but again, I've already seen the story before. Uh, yeah. It's, it's fun to have a new unique twist on it, but the first book was so phenomenal because it was so unique to itself. It was this amazing, unique interpretation of everything and like a retelling of everything in a way that hadn't been done before, whereas the second run is more of a retelling of stuff that has been done before, just in a different way. So, you know, I struggle with it, you know, not because it's not wonderful and great, but because it's just not as original as the first run. And I feel like Sean Gordon Murphy is capable of so much more than this. And I'm just... you, you know what he should uh, turn into a comic book? The Fast and the Furious. This, no. This man. <laughs> no. Sean Gordon Murphy, no. if nothing Deborah, else. No. He's been making it very clear that he really likes drawing vehicles. I think the last thing we need right now is more Fast and Furious content. <laughs> Please. The main, one of the main characters is dead. <laughs> literally dead, and they're still pumping out movies. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Calm down. It's about family. <laughs> I don't want to watch Vin Diesel in any more movies. Oh, you, you don't want to see Carzan? He's so depressing. <laughs> you, you don't want to see Porsche the Jungle? <laughs> <laughs> He's just so depressing and old now. <laughs> I want to see him starring in these action films. I mean, he he's getting old, and he's only recently starting to show that he's getting old. He can't help himself, though. He wears he... a white beater. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hide a gut under a white beater. <laughs> it protrudes more than ever. <laughs> Again, he he can't help himself. He really can. And no one's going to tell him no. Uh, clearly. <laughs> Definitely not valiant. Uh, definitely not. Okay, so that's basically the major thing I've read and been reading. Um, there's some other small tidbits here and there, but it's not nothing really major worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, so uh, with that, let's get into the news. So again, fair warning, it's kind of depressing. It's a lot of rehashing of things we've already discussed to an extent, but uh, we bring it up for a reason. It's yep. very important. Obviously, the industry we know and love is in dire straits with this pandemic and a lot all the quarantine necessary things that are affecting their businesses. So first up, we got two deaths in the comic book world we need to address. Uh, Juan Jimenez, age 76, has passed away, confirmed because of coronavirus so uh very sad uh very tragic uh we have our first official death in the comic book industry at least the first announced death due to COVID-19 um he died in his hometown of Mendoza Argentina uh he's very famous for doing very uh elaborate fantastical looking artwork um, titles in the comic book industry worked on as Meta Baron's uh, The Fourth Power and Leo Roa. Um, he went to uh, work after attending school in Barcelona and Spain and then worked throughout the comic book industry, particularly in the European comic uh, industry. Um, he had an, he's famous for an animated short that was in the 1981 animated film Heavy Metal, which is a very over-the-top very uniquely animated film. Uh, it's very iconic for people in the 80s. So a lot of uh, 
great iconic work, especially among uh, European books. Again, known very much for his very um, beautiful, elaborate, kind of realistic takes on his artwork and drawings, despite being in very fantastical worlds, you know, a lot of sci-fi and stuff like that. So very sad to hear that Juan Jimenez has passed away, confirmed because of coronavirus. So rest in peace, Juan. Uh, Again, heart goes out to your family and your friends, and hopefully everybody else can stay healthy and safe and nobody else is affected by this um, pandemic. It's very tragic, very sad. Yeah, if you can, do look up his work. Uh, yeah, I I would say it goes without saying that uh, someone of his caliber should not be overlooked, especially given just the the beauty of his artwork and how prolific of an artist he was. This is yeah. uh, probably lesser known in the American side of things, but very prolific in the European industry. Yeah, if you're a fan of. Uh, European comics or French comics or as they call them bon dessinée um this is going to be it, this is quite the blow yeah uh, i mean thankfully he got to live a pretty good long life but i'm sure he had many good years left to live you know at 76 it's very sad that unfortunately he's the prime demographic of fatalities among coronavirus obviously not the only demographic but the major concern is the elderly, especially at predisposed uh, conditions, are the primary demographic. Yeah. Next up on the news, this one is not necessarily due to coronavirus. There is no confirmation of what happened, but uh, an actor named Logan Williams, who is famous for his role as the child version of The Flash, Grant Gustin's counterpart uh, in the younger version of The Flash, he passed away suddenly uh, a few days ago. Uh, a lot of heartwarming messages have gone out from the cast and crew, particularly from Grant Gustin himself. Um, so very sad, uh, very unfortunate. Passed away at age 16. He also appeared in cameos in When the Heart Calls and Supernatural. So if you... Want to go see a picture of him? There's a few pictures that Grant Gustin posted on his Instagram with very touching tributes and very sad, especially at such a young age that uh, he passed away. Again, no confirmed reason, but it was uh, apparently a sudden death that you would assume was from some kind of incident or accident. Next up on the news, again, continuing the depressing trend. Image Comics has been forced to lay off uh, four staffers due to coronavirus's financial effects on the company. Um, Again, I talked about how my business in particular uh, just went through a wave of layoffs um, due to hardships or potential future hardships that they're forecasting for the future of the company. Again, it's a very good company. Not bad-mouthing them at all. It's something that's necessary because of what's been happening. But uh, obviously it's affecting everybody, not just the comic book industry. But unfortunately, they're saying due to the the COVID-19 complications throughout the industry, 
they did lay off several people, so there's some very talented staff members, I'm very sure, uh, available out there that will hopefully have jobs in the near future and have some kind of platform for their work. Um, let's see here. Next up on the news, again, very depressing, sad stuff. Lion Forge Labs has closed and all the employees have been laid off. So uh, it says here in the article, uh, this one posted by Chris Arendt, the editor over at Newsarama, that due to rapidly changing economic conditions, the profound impact on marketing and advertising budgets globally, we made the very difficult decision to close Lineforge Labs, our B2B creative services agency. So according to Lionforge Labs' website, the agency employed over 20 people. However, Polarity didn't specify the current total size of their now laid-off staff. Uh, the St. Louis-based Lionsforge Labs developed comics, animation, and content and gaming from other companies, including Microsoft, the United Way, and St. Louis Cardinals, its sister company to Oni Press, Lionforge Comics, so not to be confused, Lionsforge An Animation, and other businesses under Polarity. So... Uh, very sad. Hopefully this doesn't lead to more layoffs in the other branches of the company. Uh, hopefully everybody is able to find uh, employment somewhere else throughout the industry. Uh, really, I, the biggest threat, I think, to losing these people is that when you lose these people, sometimes they leave the industry altogether and you can't get them back, <laughs> yeah. especially if they get settled down somewhere. Um uh, especially somewhere that might have competitive pay. Again, it's a bad market for that, but who knows? You know, certain businesses are flourishing because they happen to be something deemed necessary for the current environment. And uh, I think essential is the word you're looking for. Essential is what I'm thinking, but <laughs> I hate saying it because I just, I don't know, something's gross about the word essential <laughs> when you talk about these people that may be risking their lives for. Yeah, some things that it's, may not be essential. There's definitely some grossness to this. Uh, yeah. So next up, uh, this one's not really depressing, uh, but uh, an interesting change. Valiant's top editor jumps onto Oni Press. Uh, so Valiant Entertainment's senior editorial director Robert Myers has announced that he's taken a new position at Oni Press. Myers began work today in Portland. At, as the Oni's senior editor of licensing. So I I don't know if this is really a good thing for Oni Press because Valiant hasn't really done anything in a long time because they were so focused on these movies that are not good. <laughs> so yeah. sure, he got the licenses out there, but they didn't make any fucking money. <laughs> so I just... You know, I don't know if it's a good sign. To me, it sounds more like he's he took a demotion overall, and it makes me wonder if maybe Valiant's bailing water, and he's jumping ship before shit hits the fan. It's entirely possible. You know, I'm just speculating. I don't have any insider knowledge whatsoever, and obviously, I don't work in the industry. I work in a separate industry, so I can't speak to this industry, but... Seems awfully suspicious to me that you would be jumping ship, especially right now when Polarity, who owns Oni Press, just laid off an entire branch of their 
production <laughs> and got rid of the company completely. Yeah. So uh, I don't know why you would jump ship into a ship that is clearly already dying unless your ship is in worse shape. Uh, it, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's jump into the ship that's sinking a little slower, I guess. I don't know. Uh, it stands to reason that that might have been a move made to stabilize themselves as opposed to trying to at least give the appearance of moving up. Yeah, and I maybe they're just trying to license more stuff. If that's the case, fine. But again, he wasn't very successful at that You know, during his tenure. doesn't seem like it, at least. Maybe I'm wrong. Um but uh, it seems like it just seems like a weird move for everybody involved. Unlo- yeah. You know, the only exception to that would be like if this had happened a long time ago and they were just now, you know, finally his contract was up and now he could finally do it. But, it, you know, they couldn't foresee what was going to happen. Maybe that's the case. Maybe I'm just, you know, reading way too much into it. And that's entirely possible. So take everything I say with a grain of salt. It's just my introspection and my detective work. <laughs> Courtesy of Adam West. Ah, uh, your your detective skills are growing. Thank you, old chum. Uh, so, yeah, I don't I don't know how to interpret it any other way, to be honest. But maybe it was just something that had been planned a long time, and they just are now having to do it amidst the pandemic. Yeah, we'll see if it works out. So this one's kind of a two part story. So Diamond, because of cash flow problems, they quoted. Uh, stop their payments to vendors, um, which is obviously not a good thing, as Diamond is the sole distributor of almost all comics. There are exceptions, but that's pretty much just Diamond. Um, so when they start paying for their products, that means nobody's getting money anywhere because retailers don't have it, vendors aren't making money from distributing it, and Diamond is not stocking warehouses and employing employees to maintain said you know warehouses and delivery routes and all that stuff. Unfortunately, Diamond is, you know, or fortunately depending on how you look at it, Diamond has been the exclusive proprietary distributor for almost all comics, you know, especially the major brands DC, Marvel, etc. And there really isn't anybody else. So retailers for a long time have been at the mercy of Diamond. So on one aspect it might be a good thing because maybe it opens opportunity for a few different businesses to jump in. The problem with that is that, unfortunately, traditional capitalism doesn't work in this situation because it's not seen as a viable market opportunity to jump into the physical comic book distributing industry. Yeah. Because it's kind of a loss leader for a lot of companies. And, you know, these properties are very valuable for licensing for toys and movies and video games and all that stuff but the comics if they turn a profit it's usually very meager compared to everything else right and that's when they do turn a profit it's usually only when there's a book that is overwhelmingly successful which the amount of times that that happens controversial (laughs) or controversial yeah the the amount of times that that happens within the span of five years, let alone uh, in a single year, you can count that like on one hand. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a win lose situation because on one hand, yeah, maybe 
somebody else can step up and kind of take some of that market share. I know DC Comics was talking how they were going to find different regional distributors to try to continue distributing books. Although, spoiler alert for upcoming news items, doesn't look like that's the case. Doesn't look like they were successful. Um, and on the other hand, if Diamond does go down, who's left to distribute this material? You know, there's just no avenue. And if they die, all the retailers die. There's, you know, unless they can live on fun pop, you know, Funko pops <laughs> sales and statue sales, there's just no chance in hell they're going to survive. Oh, you know, yeah. Magic the Gathering not. cards and shit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like there's just no other way they can survive. Um, you know, there's, you know, there's a collectible market out there, but without new incoming books, I mean, that's the majority of their sales, I'm sure. Then they're just some guy on eBay trying to sell collectible shit. So essentially it's really depressing. I really hope that this works out and resolves in a way that maintains the physical medium. Cause I am such an avid collector. I love collecting the physical books and I know it's a very strong popular community that really reinforces this but uh very depressing to see now this is followed up by a much more recent article where diamond has resumed partial payments to vendors and delayed production orders and stuff like that so that insinuates that they realize oh shit we might have fucked up on this maybe we can try to meet someone somewhere halfway and resolve a compromise because a lot of their contracts are voided if they aren't continuing to distribute and supply books to the retailers. So, you know, there's contractual obligations that they have to meet, you know, but the unfortunate thing is that a lot of the vendors can't really do anything about it because there's no one else to go to. (laughs) So it's just, you know, diamonds got everybody by the balls, but diamonds, you know, dragging everybody six feet under, you know, trying to deal with the, the, the quarantines and the, the issues being caused by COVID-19. So it's a really, really unfortunate situation that is unfortunately propped up by the shaky foundation of a monopoly. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's... We're basically watching someone try to insert brake fluid into a speeding car that just completely got all of its brake fluid cut and it's 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 fallen out yeah it's fallen out and we can't put the brake fluid in fast enough for us to reasonably stop and not immediately die yeah so we're definitely barreling towards a brick wall yeah and uh there's no brake pads in sight <laughs> so nope. it's it's concerning but definitely important to mention for the news yeah, the uh, the comic book industry for quite some time has been about as delicate an ecosystem as anyone's car. And we're finding out just how vulnerable the car that is the comic book industry actually is. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. Again, support your local comic book shops if you can. You know, they're doing everything they can to stay afloat, obviously, uh, amidst this distribution crisis. Well, again, we'll get more in detail with that in a minute here, but let's go ahead and jump to the next news topic. This one's a short one. Netflix has officially canceled October Faction, so for 
fans of that show. It's based on IDW's book, October Faction. Uh, people that were hoping for a second season. Unfortunately, it's not coming. However, they did announce that IDW's other show, Lock and Key, has been renewed, which is great because Lock and Key is wonderful <laughs> as a book. I haven't watched the yeah. show yet. Uh, honestly, I'm rereading Lock and Key so I can remember everything, and then I'm going to jump into the show after I've reread everything, uh, at least you know up to date. So you can properly critique it. It is a great book, though. I highly, highly, highly recommend if you have Comicsology Unlimited or you ha- there's any kind of you know distribution out there in your digital media. You know, obviously support your local comic book shops if you can, get some volumes or whatever the case is. But if you prefer a digital platform, it's very easy to get. Go read it. It's fucking wonderful. It is so good. One of the best, most fun, most well drawn comic book arts. <clears throat> excuse me arcs sorry i'm again it's late i'm starting to drool on myself <laughs> it's a whole bad combination um but really 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 great book i i recommend it all the time lock and key great idw book if you need something to jump into say your first time comic book reader it's a great book to jump into it's easy to read easy to digest easy to follow really great artwork that's really eye-popping um Easily built for a digital medium if you don't have the, the capacity to get the physical books. By all means, read it on a digital platform because it works very well there. Highly recommend it. Go read it. It's great for you know older teenagers all the way up to the most elderly of adults. It's really fantastical, really fun, good read. I'd even say younger teenagers and you know older ch- children are probably okay. But uh, there is some gore in there and some brutal moments especially in that first issue so fun for the whole family be warned (laughs) there's moments of intensity for sure horror for the whole family really good book (laughs) uh next up on the news this is some feel-good news so uh look forward to this hooray you know what before the feel-good news let's go ahead and depress you a little bit First get up, through all of the bad before we get to the good. <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure I knocked it out. So, <laughs> all right, next on our depressing news run, it will be the last of the officially depressing news. There's some positive news after this, and then, of course, delay corner. It always happens. Oh, yeah. So, the last piece of depressing news, Comic Hub, which is a service uh, for digital comics, this temporary distribution system is not going forward. So, basically... If you're unfamiliar, Comic Hub was a service uh, that's a digital platform for comic books, but they had, were issuing a service to try to basically give some money to comic book retailers. Basically, they were going to partner with retailers throughout the country and give sales of digital codes that the retailers could sell out to their, their fans and their pool customers and everything. They would be able to read and follow their digital books without having any interruptions and stories and whatnot. And this would be good for vendors because then they could keep printing and creating content and still creating revenue, um, which they desperately need now that Diamond's not sending the payments. (laughs) Um, And then it would be good for comic book stores because it gives them some cash flow to survive on until the quarantines are done and they can resume business as normal, assuming Diamond's still around to resume business as normal. Right. Unfortunately, uh, despite this being the great hope of the comic book retailer, 
it doesn't look like it's going forward. The founder recently sh- shot it down and killed the idea. Um, there's a lot of kind of takes on this. If you want to re- get more insight into this, go to the article written by Michael Doran on newsarama.com. Again, really great website. We go there all the time. It's a little bit better than CBR, in my opinion. A little less bullshit and a little <laughs> not as many pop-ups and annoying videos that slow down your computer and cause everything to crash when you try to read an article. It's um, significantly better than CBR. I really, really enjoy Newsarama. Really good writing. Uh, so thank you guys. We're giving you a shout out as always because we really like you. Yeah, to put this back into the car analogy that I had come up with earlier, this would be like the moment that you found out that someone cut your brake line and your first response is to, okay, brakes aren't working. How do I stop the speeding car? Oh, I see like some kind of... uh, divider on the highway that I can maybe kind of edge up to so I can just like forcefully without hitting anyone else kind of like stop my car by way of friction only to realize that uh, I'm going too fast and I'm running out of room and oh hey that middle thing is gone oh and by the way there's a cliff behind it (laughs) and and there's a cliff oh shit Uh, okay so back to that thing that we were trying before somebody try to put like break fluid into this thing yeah so it's very unfortunate it sucks i was actually looking forward to this because i'm like hey that's a great you know great way to work around it because a lot of books already have like a digital code on the inside if you open it up there's a code that you can pull off like a coupon basically and then redeem it on your respective uh platform whether it's comiXology or marvel unlimited or dc uh was it dc universe that was called yeah so uh, there's a lot of those platforms out there, and this is just kind of working in the opposite direction, which I think would be great if pull customers can be like, hey, day of or day before, you'll get your code, and you can read it on your platform at your leisure, and then you can come pick up your physical copies at your leisure throughout the week, whatever is easiest for you. And it, obviously, if emergencies like this come down, we'll just hold it for you until you can come and redeem your codes. Unfortunately, that's not going to go uh, forward. Now, again, there's a lot of perspectives in this in this article. Again, it's a very long article. It's very uh, very well written. Uh, has a lot of quotes from different retailers and obviously the founder. So it, it sounds like from certain perspectives, just piecing together what I interpret that. Comic Hub was trying to work out a resolution that all the retailers could kind of agree to and kind of set as a standard. But for one reason or another, the retailers just could not agree on it. And retailers were dropping out left and right for one reason or another. I'm sure many of them were probably closing down and like, why are we going to invest in this when we can't right. you know, plan on staying open for the next two weeks? So totally understand. Um, you know, maybe it was a greed thing, you know, again, this is worst case scenario. I'm not saying this is the case at all. I'm not an insider in the situation, but um, it's possible that maybe the founder was just trying to charge an arm and a leg because he knew he had these retailers by the balls and he knew they were probably the only lifeline they could hope for, you know, outside of donations or creative solutions like the auctions we were talking about. Yeah. So very unfortunate that it's not going to be the saving grace of the market. I really wonder what's going to happen. I wonder how much of this was influenced by Diamond not being able to distribute physical copies. 
and maybe Diamond is in more trouble than we think. So it's very sad, very unfortunate. Really, really, really hope uh, that something comes along or some kind of relief comes along besides charity. Charity is good and all, but, you know, charity is rarely unilateral across the industry. And, you know, somebody's going to have to determine who gets money and who doesn't at some point. Yeah, it's... uh... (laughs) things are kind of in a bad way right now and unfortunately it looks as though there's only going to be more news like this coming up as time goes on yeah so i very 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 highly recommend you contact your favorite local comic book shops get in touch with them i'm sure they can suggest things that you can do to help support them and help get them through this time if you are a financially able obviously if you are unemployed because you were furloughed or you were laid off or whatever the case is or you're working at reduced rates because your company just can't afford to pay you the full rate or whatever the case is i know there's a lot of situations you know we have uh, my girlfriend and i have several friends who have been either furloughed or given reduced pay for this period like i said in my company a great company but it's it just had a round of layoffs both uh because of loss of business because of this and because of projected loss of business for the second quarter, et cetera, um, which is unfortunate because they just went through a big growth period. Um, so again, very concerning all around, you know, everybody's being affected by this or has somebody close to them being affected by this, even if the effect isn't necessarily the physical effect of the disease, you know, they're definitely feeling the financial burdens and the stress of the market, loss of savings and 401ks and mutual fund money from the stocks dropping. It it spreads to so many different places. You know, it's hard to wrap your mind around it. But yeah, it's the the way these things spread and the complications that arise as a result. It it's only in times like these that we can actually see how interconnected these things all are Mm -hmm. and i mean we're talking you know several you know american politicians have come down with coronavirus or been diagnosed with it you know some more severe than others the prime minister of the uk you know a big world leader uh has just been committed to intensive care with coronavirus he's had the coronavirus for about a week i think and you know whether you hate him or love him or whatever the case is you know i I don't follow politics in the uk but i know he's a controversial figure to say the least you know if he dies a world leader dies that's when shit really hits the fan because people start panicking when their leaders start going away you know yeah and you never know you know governments might use this as an excuse to crack down even harder you know on people not following the social distancing or you know, one thing or another, we've obviously seen a lot of examples of more communistic or more dictator-like nations throughout the world uh, doing different approaches, some working, some not, you know, for better or worse. So it's, it just sucks, man. (laughs) I don't know how to get around it. Yeah. Now, the good thing is it's probably giving a lot of great mental source material for future comic books. Oh, and comic book arcs, yeah. assuming the industry survives. But the industry has to survive first. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, there's a silver lining in there somewhere. You just got to dig real deep to find it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've 
I'm familiar with uh, Legacy Virus from the X-Men uh, comic books. <laughs> that was... Uh... Now, that has its own history, and some saw it as a way to kill off, like, inconvenient characters. Others looked to it and tried to make it a bit deeper by looking at it as an allegory for... It was the HIV AIDS epidemic of the nineties. Yeah. Um, I mean, if there's anything comic books are really good at, it's tapping into the cultural narrative. Yeah. And often pushing it even further or projecting where it could potentially go, you know, both in utopias and dystopias. So. Yeah. And the the thing that I remember the most from that run was everyone acknowledging that this is a like an invisible enemy that they this is a fight that they can't punch their way out of yeah and it's going to take from you the people that you care about people that you in some cases might even least suspect of being affected by this Mm. so yeah i don't know i mean even in my day-to-day personal life, I've had a lot of moments that are indicative of things that you would imagine only happening in, say, a book or something, some kind of fantasy media. Yeah. Where I've, you know, had encounters, you know, at grocery stores or for my job, you know, I have to go to properties and measure them uh, to lay them out and everything. Um, where people get real antsy around you and they start covering their face, you know. And, you know, I don't have any masks or anything, so unless I'm tying a t-shirt to my face, you know, there's not really much I can do. Right. And, you know, people are covering their mouths and hiding away from me. Uh, Today, even, I went out to measure a property, and the guy was half joking, but (laughs) half serious. Every time I looked at him, he would pull his face mask back up, and then when I'd look away, he'd pull his face mask back down. He's like, oh, it's to protect me and you. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know. But it's that paranoia. And I'm guilty of it, too. You know, I haven't done anything overtly because of it. But mentally, I feel that kind of anxiety in the back, you know, that lizard brain in the back of your head, you know, going, oh, uh, maybe I should give myself an extra step or two away from these people. Or, oh, man, these people are clumping up around me. I'm getting really anxious and uncomfortable right now, you know. Like, like I which went to... one of these people could have it? Yeah, like I went to the gas station, and they had clearly marked X's because oh, I was been stipulating this, that are six feet apart. And everybody in front of me was following it. I was following it. But everybody behind me just wasn't bothering. They were just getting up nut to butt on me, you know, (laughs) just, (laughs) you know, all around. And I mean, all around me, not just behind me, but like standing beside me and stuff. And I'm like, there's X's on the floor telling you where to stand. Why are you all crowding me? And I got super anxious and angry, you know, and that's just how this stuff works. But, you know, obviously I did put my front brain in there and say, Hey, Chris, you're overreacting. Nobody here seems sick. You know, maybe they got something, maybe they didn't notice the lines on the floor. You know, it's probably not intentional. You know, you're just freaking out, calm down, you know, but I think everybody's feeling that just a little bit, you know, Yeah. because the last thing you want to do is bring this virus. Again, we're younger. We don't seem to have any preexisting conditions that are be fatal. So although we can be killed by the virus or very seriously affected, we're probably not going to be. But that doesn't stop us from bringing it home to grandma, you know? Right. So it's just... Yeah, like the biggest worry about situations like these 
has less to do with it killing everybody and more to do with people being complacent and inadvertently becoming transmitters and thus inadvertently, unsuspectingly, affecting those who most likely would be either severely made ill by this or possibly even killed. Yeah, and I mean... Again, you're not going to keep it at bay forever. So eventually society is going to have to resume its normal actions and eventually it'll just become a part of society because it's probably not going to mutate and die out. Much like the flu, it's just going to keep coming up in new strains, new forms and being more or less severe with each form. And hopefully they create vaccines for it and whatever else they they can do. Damn, I'm dying over here. Yeah. yeah, the, the the flu and its many ever-changing forms is slowly becoming the third thing after death and taxes that you can always count on. Yeah, so uh, eventually there's going to be consequences, but the I think the whole point of what the world is doing right now, again, the I hate this term because it comes up so much, but it's an obviously true term, the flatten the curve of the, the you know, the bell graph. The goal is to prevent healthcare facilities from being over-encumbered to the point where they can't take care of everybody and they have to do like what Italy was doing where they were turning down people that they didn't think were going to survive because they had to save the beds for the people they could save, you know, that sort of thing. Right. So that's what they're trying to avoid when they say, you know, flatten the curve. You know, that means having people get infected gradually. Obviously, you want to prevent as much infected infection as possible overall but the goal is to prevent the healthcare system from being overtaxed and overburdened to the point where they can't save anybody let alone you know right uh so it that's yeah. that's the primary goal of what's happening right now it seems yeah the because idea it, unless it mutates itself out of existence or we create a very uh adaptable vaccine that we can adapt to each strain it's going to come back it's going to come back around and you know hopefully people have built-in immunities by then uh because they had a milder form previously or whatever the case is so yeah i think the the thing to take into account is the reason why the flattening of the curve has become the the common phrase that every politician is trying to put forward is When we're trying to flatten the curve, we are doing that not because we think that there is some way, shape, or form that keeping everyone inside is going to somehow kill off the virus. This is to prevent being overburdened, as you mentioned. Yeah. And the overburden isn't the worst part of it. The The worst part of it is... How do I put this? The worst part of this entire situation is essentially that very thing that you were slightly getting mad at at the the checkout line is uh, the idea of this being an inevitability the inevitable nature of everyone at some at some point in their life being exposed to this uh, it's going to 
not just overburdened it, but it's going to expose the weakness and, in a lot of cases, futility of our medical system. Like, they're, we're not all doctors. Hell, not even all of us have uh, first aid or CPR training. Yeah. Like, we are woefully unprepared, and we are being more and more exposed to the fact that not only are we woefully unprepared, it would be impossible for all of us to be as prepared as we would need to be in order to stop this. And that's going to, that idea will lead to complacency and that complacency leads to people standing within two feet of you, no matter how many X's on the floor you have. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Uh, but back to the topic of, of, uh, of, uh, oh God, it's late. <laughs> yeah. It's back, late. Back to the primary topic. Yep. Um, so we have some positive news to follow up on that depressing <laughs> note. That, um, uh, ever growing spiral. So obviously we're talking about, uh, on previous episodes, several initiatives and charities and potential rescue, uh, changes to the industry that were happening. Um, First bit, uh, DC has donated $250,000 to charity for comic book stores uh, as an initiative. And then Jim Lee, who's the current head of creative, uh, has been auctioning off daily sketches. And I mean, fetching pretty good values. I I wanted the first one because it's Nightwing and Nightwing's my boy. But then I looked at the total. I was like, well, (laughs) I guess I can't afford one (laughs) because it was literally in the several thousand dollars mark and it had two more days of bidding to go and i was like yeah there's there's no way but this is awesome you know sketch and ink drawings by jim lee uh really high quality really great pictures and basically he's letting everybody who buys one choose the next character he draws for the following day uh starting three days after the nightwing so there's been a lot of them that they he did Doctor Fate, did Nightwing, did uh, the Batman who laughs. Uh, those are the ones that come to mind recently. Uh, he did Bizarro Superman, which is interesting. He <laughs> said it was the first time he did Bizarro Superman, but uh, basically you can see the links for him on his Instagram and on his social media, Twitter, Facebook. I saw it on Facebook, and then he has a link to the eBay account that you can go to bid on these uh, really, really awesome pieces of art. If you love Jim Lee art and who doesn't g- go ahead and take a look at those. If they're, if your pocketbook can manage a might maybe take a bid on your favorite character and B maybe consider contributing on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash hit the books. I will say shameless. <laughs> yeah, yes, absolutely. Shameless. <laughs> I will say that these sketches are probably the best thing that Jim Lee has put out in years. Yeah, unfortunately, he's been very, very overworked. So <laughs> it's definitely great to see him back in form on a lot of these. Uh, I, I will say I his think, Nightwing is fucking pristine. Oh, I love it. I love Nightwing, man. And I love Jim Lee's Nightwing. I wanted it so bad. Oh. <laughs> but it was literally several thousands. I really liked the... He did an Azrael one, too, I think. Uh, but I really love the the Doctor Fate one. I think that one's really awesome. Yeah, really, really cool use of lighting and whatnot in the sketch. Just a pros pro. You can't help but love it. It just so. reminds me of the 
Dr. Fate Helmet that showed up in the show Constantine. (laughs) What could have been. What could have been. So sad. Another nice piece of positive news. The Kubert School has been offering comic art lessons for kids from Lee Weeks, Sergio Carrillo, and uh, several more pros. So if you want to take advantage of that, there's a nice article on it. Uh, Newsarama. Uh, where they talk about uh, the different classes on different dates at different times being streamed and whatnot. Um, Fernando Ruiz, Mario Sinapo, Sergio Carrillo, and Lee Weeks are some that are featured on the month of April. So definitely go out and take a look at those if you so choose. Um, definitely, I mean, there's a lot of great outlets for learning, you know, sketching, painting, artwork on YouTube and other sources, but hey, why not learn it directly from the pro's mouth? So, I would be tempted to uh, pull a, how do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's out there, so definitely go check it out. Very cool. And then one other piece of positive news before we get to Delay Corner. Um, <laughs> there's a nice article on here by Vanita Rogers, uh, who's a contributor to uh, Newsarama. Talking about a recent documentary called My Comic Shop Country, which is now available on Apple TV and iTunes, if you'd like to go check that out. Basically, it's talking about all of these different comic stores and the great communities that they form, and talking about uh, the unique uh, friendships and bonds that are formed between, you know, obviously store owners and customers and uh, employees and all the different unique, awesome ways that comic shops maintain their industry and their their services. Um, haven't watched it yet, but I do plan on it. I'll probably have to watch it on my work phone. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. I'll have to download it on there and pay for it on there. Uh, I don't even know how that works, but I guess I have an iTunes account because I don't use Apple products for the most part, but uh, I do want to check that out. So if you have access to iTunes or Apple TV, definitely take advantage of it and go check that documentary out. I'm sure they could use their support, especially right now. I'm still Android for life. <laughs> I mean, I think there is a good argument to be had, you know, during like iPhone 5 and iPhone 6 and stuff like that. But using my work phone, they gave uh, me an iPhone, a modern iPhone for my work phone. That thing sucks, man. It sucks. <laughs> and I, I used to be an iPhone guy. I had iPhones, and they were very comparable to Androids at the time. But this, it's like it went back in time. I would rather have like an iPhone 5 or an iPhone 6 <laughs> than the current iPhones. They're so terrible. Ooh. Especially, I mean, Android phones, you know, they have their problems, but <laughs> they work. <laughs> and the videos aren't like this big. Every time you send a message, you know, everything glitches out. And then when you try to message somebody outside of Apple, because Apple says, no, you can't communicate with anybody unless they're an iPhone user. You know, just all this stupid stuff. <laughs> I don't know why anybody buys Apple shit anymore. You know, I kind of understand the computers, but <laughs> definitely don't understand the 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 phones because they're just terrible. They're absolutely terrible phones. Yeah, that's uh, no headphone jack. Really, it, <laughs> I have to use Bluetooth <laughs> with a battery. <laughs> to... Yeah, I I've never been an iPhone guy, and they've never really given me a reason to change my mind about that. And the same goes for their computers. To all of you who do have uh, iPhones or Apple TVs, more power to you. 
should your things actually work. Like, don't uh, be just if don't be things, blinded by fanboyism. Yeah. If you like your iPhone and you genuinely know that you like the iPhone over other stuff, by all means, continue. <laughs> but just know that there are options out there that are so much better, including old iPhones. <laughs> like, if for some reason something goes wrong with your current Apple products, God help you, <sighs> man. Just. Their, their they answer really are, is always buy a new one. I just don't understand how your company goes backwards so far. <laughs> it's, it's like they were the premier company in the industry and just completely fell off a cliff. Yeah, it's... Uh, Got lazy, I guess. I don't know. Bad business practices. What was that? The PS3 cost? Like $600? <laughs> it's that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. It was like that was... They, they didn't think that went through. No. And uh, before we get to Delay Corner, I did want to mention, uh, this is true of almost every single comic book producer out there. Uh, not everyone, but basically it seems that everybody's come to an agreement to stop producing new books, both digitally and physically. The reason, the rationale being that if you keep creating these digital books, eventually you know, you're going to lose your retail base because... Once the stores do reopen and they do get all this new product into the store, nobody's going to want to buy it because they already fucking read it. So, yeah, I totally understand that. I, I said on the last episode, I kind of lean towards that direction if there's no other solution that comes up. And obviously the one saving grace fell through. So I think this is probably the last remaining option that's viable. So DC has been doing it. Marvel's done it. Um I believe it's all IDW and Image definitely did it. Um, so a lot of these books are either being suspended or completely canceled outright, depending on what the situation is financially for them. So I'm kind of happy for the retail industry that this is happening, but I'm kind of concerned again, you know, on the back end, because if this goes too long, the vendors are going to shut down. The distributors obviously in dire straits already. And the retailers are obviously in dire straits. Several shops, famous shops have already shut down. Yeah, um, that's a thing. Yeah, it's a concern. Uh, so just wanted to bring that up and mention that, that if you were looking forward to new releases, you're probably not going to get them. We're going to talk about the new releases and heavy quotations of stuff that was supposed to come out, but it's probably not. So take everything that we read this week with a grain of salt. We're still going to hand out a cover of the week and variant cover of the week based on solicitations that are on freshcomics.us, which you can always go to check out uh, the new releases. But uh, they're probably not going to be there. So yeah. fair warning ahead of that segment. We're going to do it, but it's we're going to award the cover and variant cover of the week. But again, you're probably not going to see the books. So take it with a grain of salt. Okay, that being said, let's jump into uh, Delay Corner. This time it's not uh, comic books. Uh, it's actually other forms of media or publishers, which, you know, is kind of a dual-edged sword. It's not comic books because comic books aren't coming out because they're all delayed <laughs> until yeah. further notice. Um, but uh, let's jump into it. So Morbius, the uh, film based on the Spider-Man villain, has been moved to 2021, according to Sony, and has been taken off this year's schedule altogether due to the complications due to COVID-19. Um, so there's a few other movies on the slate. Uh, the Venom sequel 
uh, is still slated for October 2nd, 2020. However, I wouldn't expect that to last for much longer. Um, there's <laughs> a lot of upcoming Sony movies that were supposed to kind of be big blockbusters, including this one. So if you're looking forward to that, unfortunately, you won't see Jared Leto as a vampire anytime soon. Next up, uh, this one we posted on a lot of our social medias. Again, we're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash hit the books, Twitter at htbvids. Bad Idea Comics has postponed its debut indefinitely and has started a retailer relief fund that you can donate to. Again, check with your local comic book shops first to see if you can help them out directly. It'd probably be a much more efficient method than you know, contributing to these retailer relief funds necessarily. Um, but they're doing a lot of good stuff with this. They're delaying their premiere, obviously, because it probably wouldn't be very business savvy to push all the stuff out, especially when the distributor is not available. <laughs> so there's a lot of obvious reasons why this hasn't happened. Um, basically, they put out this press release that they're doubling down on comics uh, by doing this and saving production and saving their resources so they can release actively uh, once doors reopen. Um, they contributed a beginning balance of $25,000 to this comic relief fund and a lot of big investment, which is great, but surprising from a new company. Um, so definitely go out and support them if you can in some way, shape, or form uh, when they do premiere. And obviously, if you're able, go and contribute to their initiative if you so choose. So Bad Idea Comics, unfortunately, has postponed their release. So if you're looking forward to them, we'll have to stick around for more news in the future on that. And that is the news. Well, given how current events are going, I don't know how many times we're going to be able to say this. So I'm going to cherish it like it might be our last. What comic books are we hitting up this week? Well, Emery, I thought you'd never ask. I'm so depressed right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's late. And we're talking about death and doom and gloom and these comic books aren't even coming out (laughs) why do i even have a job (laughs) why am i podcasting (sighs) but remember check out our batman review it's a lot more happy yes (laughs) if you need something to cheer you up yes by far check that one out okay screen so you can all see it at home if you're watching the youtube channel yeah, and you won't vi- uh, visually benefit from this, but if you listen close, you'll know what's supposedly coming or probably not coming. But, uh, you know, something to look forward to once everything resumes. So from Marvel Comics, we have Avengers number 33. We have a lot of variants. Champions number one. We have Conan Battle for the Serpent Crown number three. Conan. We have Ghost Rider, number seven. We have Iron Man 2020, number four. In case you forgot which year it was. We have Marvel Snapshots, Captain America, number one. My God, that looks good. (laughs) We have Nebula, number three. We have New Mutants, very unique cover, number 10. Interesting. We have Power Pack, number one. 
Didn't know they were bringing them back. We have Rescue 2020, number two. We have Runaways, number 32. We have Spider Ham, number five. Because why not? Does whatever a spider ham does. We have Star Wars Bounty Hunters, number three. We have Spider-Man, number 43. We have The Immortal Hulk, number 34. Featuring the big brain himself. We have The Punisher versus Barracuda, number one. Ooh, Barracuda. I was doing my best Catwoman impression. Is that what that was? Circa 1966, of course. Next up, we have Thor number five. See, it's already delightful. Yeah. Go watch it. Yeah. We have Venom number 25. We have a lot of Venom number 25 variants. We have X-Force number 10. Featuring Black Tom Cassidy? What in the world? Remember what happened to X-Force and Deadpool 2? Ooh. Delightful. Go home, Kevin! Can 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 we just do that to all of Hickman's X-Men? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they'll bring them all back, so you're fucked. Gah, Next up from Boob Enter- I mean Dynamite Entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Dynamite. Uh it, yes, we, we love you long time. <laughs> <laughs> you're just a little thirsty for a comic book company. That's nah, all. I'm a little thirsty. God damn. <laughs> First up we have Deja Thor's number five. Uh, how soon we ca- can we get to Mars? With all the booty and boo variants, of course. How soon can we get to Mars? They have a princess who needs help. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. She has no clothing. You know how cold Mars is? Oh, my God. She's freezing to death. Clearly, I just, someone, Bezos, give me a spaceship so I can give her my cape. <laughs> <laughs> That, that, uh, that, that's how I should cover her, right? With a cape? God, <laughs> we are not helping stereotypes right now. <sighs> and neither is dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, dog. <laughs> uh, next up, we have James Bond, number five. Ooh, another number five. We have a few volumes. We have Kiss Zombies, number five. Kiss. Uh, you know damn well they're making plenty of bank on that for some reason. Uh, they better. Got enough variants for it. So many variants. A lot of these from uh, issues that were released on other weeks. We have Vampirella, Cross Red Sonia, number eight. Lee covers are also are always awesome. Um, uh, I love that aesthetic. It's so unique. Oh, yeah. And then, again, a lot of variants. Not quite as button boob enticing although those last ones are pretty boob enticing oh well, i'll take it all back yep yep <laughs> the, the, the thanks t- boobs i mean dynamite entertainment <laughs> you know what you did <laughs> <laughs> next up from dc comics uh they have a lot of these dollar comics reprints out there so feel free to go collect those iconic covers if you so choose yeah again probably not available but uh once the doors reopen definitely go out and check them out so we have Batman and the Outsiders, number 12. We have Catwoman, number 22. 
We have <laughs> we have Doom Patrol, The Weight of the Worlds, number seven. We have Famous First Edition, New Fun, number one. We yeah, have got a very strong classic feel with that one. Yep. We have Green Lantern, season two, number three, because why not? Is that a TV show? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Where is this on television, and who is watching it? We have Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, number two, clearly trying to reinforce the propaganda perpetuated by that terrible movie. Oh, I thought it was supposed to be uh, the Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of Harley Quinn. <laughs> or Harley Quinn and Harley the Quinn Birds- is not part of the Birds of Prey, goddammit. See, it's supposed to be Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey with the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Please stop. (laughs) I'm going to spread my corona all over you. I heard you wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we have Hawkman, number 23. What in the plague, doctor? (laughs) Appropriate timing. Uh, Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) With a very badass variant cover, which very narrowly did not win the variant of the week. It's so sharp. It is great. We have House of Whispers, number 20, from the Sandman universe. We have Inferior 5, number 6. We have Joker, Cross Harley, Criminal Sanity, number 4. Another black label book featuring those two characters. <laughs> I feel like it's every black label book now. Yeah, we... we I mean, we need more black label, but can we get more black label that features someone else? <laughs> we have Ruby, number 7. We have... Superman, number 22. We have The Dollhouse Family, number six. They answered our prayers. (laughs) Although I'm sure they'll shove Harley in there somehow. Oh, I'm sure. We have The Flash, number 753. We have, great book, The Terrifics, number 27, of course. Ooh, featuring my boy Blue Beetle. Look at that aesthetic. Oh, it's so so good. So 80s. Oh, I love it. (laughs) It's like Tron. (laughs) We have Wonder Woman, number 755. Wonder Woman not doing too hot in that cover there. We have Justice League number fifteen with classic Superboy. Well, you mean maybe young not Justice. that classic? Did I did I not say Young Justice? Young Justice number fifteen is what I meant. Yeah, but I'm he, talking about Superboy because he's on the cover. He, and again, another great variant. Yeah, he manages to maintain that uh, alternative Chippendales dancer look. Oh yeah, <laughs> hat. <laughs> You should join Dynamite. <laughs> Next up, from IDW Publishing. I don't know how old he is. I guess technically he's like two, because he was a clone, <laughs> and he was made in a tube. Yeah. He's pretty young. <laughs> from, okay, don't join. Uh, don't join Dynamite. Don't, please, please, don't. please, for the love of God. I'm sure it's illegal. Yeah, <laughs> it had better be. Next up, from G.I. Joe, I mean, from IDW, God, it's late, I'm fucking up. <laughs> from IDW Publishing, we have G.I. Joe, number six. Real American hero. We have Pandemica, number five, again. Very <laughs> Poor timely. timing. Uh, we have Read Only Memories, number four. We have Sonic the Hedgehog, gotta go fast, number it 28. Doesn't even have Sonic on the cover. No, it doesn't. Uh, has some fan fiction hedgehog thing on there. Mm, we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Jenica number three. <laughs> she so, did not. She did not need to return. So why does she have Wolverine claws? Why not? We already have Girl Wolverine in Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have the Crow Leth 
number two? Okay, let me rephrase. We already have two Girlverines in Marvel. <laughs> uh, next up, we have The Kill Lock, number five. We have The Transformers, number 20. More than meets the eye to that book. We have Uncle Scrooge, number 56. Cuck. Uh, <laughs> Cuck duck. Woo! <laughs> 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 Cocktails. Woo! Oh, oh God. <laughs> and we have Wellington, number four. If you can't tell yet, dear audience, we do not give a fuck anymore. No, we sure don't. <laughs> We're all dying from COVID-19. We're all losing our jobs. It's terrible. Every- the comic book industry is doomed. We're yeah. not even getting these books that we're reading. It's terrible. Everything could stop tomorrow. <laughs> Which is why we're going to party like it's... 1999. God, that was so long ago. It's depressingly long ago. <laughs> uh, I listened to Will Lennium yesterday. Oh, no. Uh, it's so depressing hearing him rap about 2K <laughs> when it was 20 years ago. Uh, we couldn't have known. It's so sad. It's, we, there was no way we could have known. <laughs> uh, next up from Boom Studios, we have Buffy, Every Generation, number one. We have Ghosted in L.A., number 10, which, again, is about real ghosts. Kind yeah. of disappointed about that. And not about, you know, a uh, bad Tinder date. Nice. <laughs> we have Go, Go, Power Rangers, number 31. Huh. That, we have, that, that cover seems so pedestrian. I'm a, I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, their covers have been pretty good. That one's not so good. Yeah. Kind of boring. Next up, we have King of Nowhere, number two. Okay, that looks interesting. We have Ronan Island, number 12. We have The Storyteller, Ghosts, number two. Interesting. Which makes me wonder if this is kind of a spinoff of that... uh, Hungry Ghosts. Hungry Ghosts book that was being written by Anthony Bourdain, unfortunately. Uh, May he rest in peace. I don't think it was finished because I think he killed himself, unfortunately. Again, more depressing things. Uh, it never ends. Next up from Dark Horse Comics, we have Blackwood, The Morning After, number three. Morning spelled M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, not M-O-R-N-I-G. Um, we have Blackwood variants. We have The Dead Dog's Bite, number one. We have Frankenstein Undone, number two. We have Stranger Things, Into the Fire, number four. We have The Butcher of Paris, number five. And that wraps up, boom. From Image Comics, we have Deadly Class, number 44. We have Farmhand, number 15. We have Mercy, number two. Although I feel like I've seen Mercy every single week. So (laughs) I don't know if it's actually being released or not. Obviously not this week. Mercy. We have Outer Darkness, Chew, number two, crossover book. We have Reaver, number eight. And we have The Clock, number three. Oh, Again, no. very appropriate cover for what's oh going on right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Comic books, very on point. Uh, very timely. Unfortunately. Uh, next up, uh, once we get through all the mangas, we have Bloodshot, number eight from Valiant, with hey, a few with, variants. 
And then we have Rye, number six, also from Valiant, of course. Yeah, one of those Bloodshot covers was trying their hardest to put Vin Diesel in their cover. Sure were. From Titan Books, we have Adler, number three. And we have Minion Sports, number one. Minions. Because we needed more from Despicable Me. Of course. They're going to bleed that for every dollar it is worth. It's completely wringing it dry. Who doesn't love Gru? <laughs> Next up from Oni Press, we have Egretsuko, which is <laughs> on Netflix right now if you want to go watch that. it's uh, Yes, you could watch that right now. <laughs> I did uh, discover recently, it's part of, I think it's called Sanyo, the brand that makes Hello Kitty. And has several other very cutesy uh, art style design Japanese <laughs> animations and products and whatnot. So, if again, go check out that documentary on Netflix, The Toys That Made Us, and watch that episode because I, I had no idea that this was linked to that company at all. And I'm, I'm sure I forgot what the actual name was. I probably mispronounced it, but I think it's Sanyo. Yeah, that is way out of left field. Yeah, so just interesting. Fun fun stuff to go watch while you're in quarantine. Next up from Archie Comics, we have Vampironica New Blood number four. Because why not? Why not? From Artists, Writers, and Artisans. That's the word I was looking for earlier from that's AWA. It. Yeah. They have Archangel eight, number two. Again, please don't put numbers right before the issue number because it's very confusing. <laughs> Is it Arch issue Archangel number eight? That's what people are going to think when they see that cover. Is this the eighth issue? No, it's only the second. But it says Archangel eight. Yeah, it says Archangel eight number two. But again, their cover <laughs> looks pretty cool, so I'm going to see if I can get it digitally and read it. And then if I like it, obviously buy the physical copies once my local comic book shops reopen. And then Mad Cave Studios, yeah, it's probably not coming out <laughs> with the Battle Cats. So we'll just skip through that. And that is everything probably not coming to your local comic book shops. Please, again, do whatever you can to support your local comic book shops. And digital devices this week. And now, to present the awards of cover and variant cover of the week. <gasps> from Hit the Books Podcast. First up, the prestigious Nay Life Changing Award of Cover of the Week goes to Marvel's Snapshot Captain America number one, done by none other than Alex Ross, winning yet again. The the man is too good of an artist. He just scoops up these awards left and right. I think he I don't know if he won one recently, but he's definitely won several on, <laughs> on several episodes of the show. So Yeah, it is absolutely no surprise that when this man turns out any cover art, that it is immediately a contender for cover of the week. Uh, he's just so good at getting the poses right, getting the stylings, and, and obviously he has a very unique, uh, very realistic aesthetic. Uh, and when he's realistic, it's often in that kind of campy sense. Just very cool. Alex Ross is just one of the unparalleled uh, comic artists out there. Just incredible aesthetic, incredible talent, incredible skill. Um, I don't know what else you can say. If you are not familiar with Alex Ross' work, 
go look just google his name and you will see multiple examples of just incredible legendary iconic images that were created by alex ross wonderful illustrator the the marvel snapshots books are uh, were real good from what i've read so far they're basically taking snapshots of people around these heroes not necessarily of the hero um uh, throughout the different history of the the Marvel universe, and of course, it's kind of playing off of an original version of this that was an idea in the '90s. So definitely pick these books up if you so choose and uh, enjoy them. And this this cover is obviously going to be one of the ones I'm picking up once these local comic book shops open up again because the artwork's incredible. Yeah, th- this Alex Ross is the Norman Rockwell of the. Uh, comic book industry i don't know how he creates these images or what inspires him to create something that is so uh so much of a time capsule but timeless at the same time but yeah he he nails it every time great artwork love you alex ross you're incredible so don't think we need to say more on that next up our prestigious nay life-changing award of variant of the week goes to Mercy number two. This cover uh, from Image Comics, and the cover is done by Laura Braga, who has created this wonderful piece of art. Uh, Very uh, picturesque, very stark lines. Um, Very cool, aesthetic, uh, unique. It kind of reminds me of the uh, Lady Mechanica artwork a little bit and that kind of styling, if you're familiar with that. Um, unfortunately, I, I, don't, I haven't seen a Lady Mechanica book out in a long time, but he had some wonderful art that was very reminiscent of the style. Um, so again, very in, incredible kind of like color dynamics between the purples and the the kind of reds and the the mixtures and then there's just that little bit of green in the dress to kind of make things pop a little bit they're very subdued colors so you wouldn't think they would pop but they pop so well they have those very hard lines which are great um so really just outstanding artwork really impressive really like it it hits a lot of those you know particular different uh, uh, features that kind of make an eye pop to you on on the shelves you know they got the dynamic lighting uh, from the top of the hair you got the very unique aesthetic and styling you have the kind of both beautiful and gross you know dynamics between the different images uh, and the 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 cover uh, it's a number two, so it should be easy to catch up on and give a uh, did the content match the drapes review uh, of the book. So just everything seems to be working for it for me. What do you think, Emery? Uh, it's doing what a comic book cover is supposed to do, and that is to make you question what the hell is on the cover enough to want to pick this book up, and that is exactly what this cover does. Yeah. I have so many questions for everything that is going on on this cover. Who is this lady? She's kind of cute, but who is she? (laughs) What's she holding in her hand? Or is it the remains of something that she's holding in her hand? 
what is this thing creating a gross little halo around her head? Yeah. All of this stuff looks like it's the remains of some living creature that was very recently snuffed out of existence. And I, I just, I continue to have more questions from this book. And the thing that makes it even more enticing to pick up is, as you mentioned before, it is issue number two. Yeah, so it's e- like easy to catch things, up on. Yeah, it's easy to catch up on. And I am so curious as to whether or not the cover alludes to uh, something that happened in the previous issue, something that happens in the current issue that it's the cover of. Or maybe it might be alluding to something like towards the end of the book, maybe a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. It's like, I have so many questions. Yeah, it, it does what a comic needs to do, especially a variant. It draws you in and makes you want to grab the book. So Yeah, uh, but the thing that I am gravitating towards and the thing that is uh, at least uh, maybe answering a couple of questions is the style of dress... And the hairstyle, both of these things tell me most likely 1800s. Yeah, some kind of like Victorian-like era. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. this this definitely makes me think of like a Gotham by Gaslight Mm -hmm. type uh, scenario situation. Yeah, and the heavily powdered face, you know, maybe it's vampiric, maybe it's supernatural, maybe it's like French aristocracy. Yeah. Um, You know. That type of thing. So there's a lot of angles that you could go with this just from the art alone. Um, So, of course, when we jump into the book, could be very cool. Uh, Sounds definitely (laughs) intriguing. Uh, They talk about a bourgeoisie social event in the description. So I think we're pretty close on that French aspect there. Yeah. Um, So very interesting. Definitely going to pick up Mercy number one and number two and check out this book and give it a nice review same with the marvel snapshots obviously a number one is easy to pick up and these really are snapshot books they're just closed views of individual little independent stories which is always great once in a while to not be tied to a bunch of recent canon right such as jonathan hickman's x-men tales (laughs) it hurts every time but uh, once again, on a positive note, congratulations <laughs> to Marvel Snapshots, Captain America number one, done by Alex Ross, the legendary Alex Ross, and Mercy number two variant cover uh, done by Laura Braga. Congratulations to you both. You have won the cover and variant cover of the weeks. Week. 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 Singular. Yeah. For plural comics. Uh, I don't know. English? What is English? <laughs> We're American, damn it. <laughs> Where's the American language? <laughs> do, do I need to get Samuel L. Jackson to ask you his most infamous question? I mean, because we can do that. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my heart could take it. That, All right. Oh, God. that That's a hero that I would be so afraid to meet. <laughs> <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson would tear a motherfucker apart. Ooh. And it'd be rough. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely don't want to meet Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> as great as he probably is, don't want to meet him. <laughs> he, he would probably tear me to shreds, and I'd be devastated. <sighs> devastated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's no way around that. I'd be devastated. Now, 
let's see here. I'm going to go ahead and not rec screenshot record this because I'm just going to post the video. So we're just going to very quickly, quickly cut to a video for the topic of the show. Um, Emery, you want to go ahead and kind of introduce our topic? <laughs> so, um, another thing happened in recent news. Uh, for all of you Ezra Miller fans out there, uh, all four of you, all four of you, you might have just fallen onto dark times. I don't know if, uh, <laughs> That Flash movie or any more of those Fantastic Beasts movies are going to be happening because, well, seems like Mr. Miller has gotten himself into some... Oh, wait, nope, I'm sorry, I misgendered Miller. <laughs> I don't they even... have gotten themselves into trouble. Why don't we take a look at that? All right. Here's the clip. It'll if you're listening, it'll probably be a weird transition. If you're watching again, it'll be on the screen. So if I highly recommend you go watch this video real quick. It's uh, 14 seconds long. It's not long. Yeah. But just look, Google Ezra Miller chokes fan. Learn it. Did you want to fight? Is that the deal? Whoa, bro, 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 bro. Fight. Learn it. So now, I've never seen anyone try to end their own career in the span of 14 seconds, but well, it looks like Ezra Miller's giving this ending for his career all he's got. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm curious about a few things on this incident. All right, so f full context, if you didn't go see the video, Ezra Miller is with an, a, supposedly a fan there's some context that's missing because we're seeing it just as it happens in the video. But basically, what looks to be a woman is in some way, shape, or form antagonizing him about something. And he goes and grabs her by the collar and throws her to the ground and then appears to be choking the fuck out of her. <laughs> and says something along the lines of, you want, you want to go? You want to fight? And, you know. Uh, the guy behind the camera goes, whoa, bro, 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 stop. <laughs> and then the camera cuts out. Obviously, the guy went to try to stop him, whatever he was doing. Uh, so there's a little bit of context missing here. And there's also some things that, for me, make it, it seems a little suspicious to me. You know, I am, <laughs> full context, I am not an Ezra Miller fan. I I don't like him as the Flash. I find him very unlikable and very awkward and just kind of gross sometimes in his interviews, the way he behaves around people, especially women. But uh, just, just something about him really irks me. <laughs> and it's not just his portrayal of Flash, which I really dislike in Justice League. So just putting everything on the table, to be fair, you know, I'm sure I have some biases here. But in his defense... I think there's some important context missing here. Now, supposedly, uh, according to a lot of what we've been hearing uh, and reading about, that this woman was antagonizing him quite a bit and saying that, you know, she could kick his ass, you know, he's a little scrawny weakling or whatever the case is, you know, because he does have that image of being kind of a, you know, little scrawny dweeb. <laughs> Again, 
Don't like him <laughs> personally. Yep. I don't know him in person. Maybe he's a delightful person in real life, and I'm just judging a book by its cover too much. Probably am, but again, just putting my cards on the table so everybody knows where I'm coming from. So obviously there's some kind of instigating going on. And the fact that this person behind the camera, I don't know if he was Ezra's buddy who was trying to record it to kind of document an abuse by a fan, or if this person was somehow affiliated with the woman who was antagonizing him, it seems to me that it's kind of a setup. If, especially if this guy behind the camera is with her in some way, shape or form or a friend or associate of some sort, it seems like they're trying to poke the bear a little bit, get him to do something he wouldn't normally do, you know, or overreact or something. And so they could capture it and either sue him or, you know, make him out to be a bad person if they don't like him or whatever, whatever the, the, the potential conspiracy theories are. I don't know. I'm just playing devil's advocate a little bit here because it seems kind of suspicious that the clip starts right there and doesn't have her antagonizing him prior or show anything prior. Seems a little suspicious that this random guy is just recording their interaction, you know, right at that moment. And there's nothing else of the clip. Like he didn't start his camera earlier or something, which seems kind of fishy. And then obviously it cuts off right away. And the guy you would assume went to help them out, but it also doesn't show fully what's going on. Clearly, in any case scenario, even if it was just a joke or whatever the case is, Ezra way overreacted. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have grabbed her by the throat and definitely shouldn't have thrown her to the ground and started choking her and berating her or whatever the case is. I know, obviously, they're under a lot of pressure as these famous people. You know, there's, you know, just like there's haters on the internet for anybody, there's obviously going to be haters in real life <laughs> and people that want to antagonize you, want to trap you or try to get you in a lawsuit or whatever the case is i don't know that that's the case here obviously maybe she's completely innocent maybe she wasn't antagonizing anybody and he was just having a bad day or high or whatever the fuck is going on and it's totally possible because i find him very unusual to begin with uh and potentially unhinged but again putting my biases aside it seems a little fishy to me now this brings up the the larger topic at hand you know the the old saying never meet your heroes Mm -hmm. and this one obviously former superhero (laughs) and currently filming more content apparently to be a superhero so i don't know it's just there's a lot going on here and a lot of questions that aren't answered so it's hard for me to jump to a conclusion that he's just completely in the wrong i'm he's obviously in the wrong at some capacity but I don't know. What's your take on it? Uh, There's a lot of things that are currently being alleged about the situation. Uh, Context, apparently, is that this happened outside of a bar in Iceland. And that the lady in question in the video was actually a fan. And I think while her tone... I can't confirm. Uh, the words used were to the effect of she could take him in a fight. Uh, lo and behold, his response, as captured on video, was not a gentle one. I- uh, it was like, <laughs> you can at the very least 
see and hear when his hand connects with her neck, she makes a sound when she hits the thing behind her immediately. Yeah. Like, you can hear that sound. There's definitely some force there. There's, you know, it, it's more than joking. <laughs> you, you gotta, oh. you, you would have to assume. You know, maybe it's not as big of a situation as we think. Maybe it's a little bit of a setup. Who knows? But either way, clearly, she's a fan, supposedly. Met her hero, and things did not work out well. Y- yeah, yeah. Um the altercation in question, there's a lot of uh, alleged information that's coming out about this right now and will probably come out for like the next couple of days since this mm-hmm. is, we're all stuck inside and this is the only news we fucking got right now. <laughs> yeah, I, again, I don't know, I don't know if he's going to be helped by everybody being panicked about this disease or if he's going to be hurt by it because on one hand there's bigger fish to fry in the world yeah people don't give a fuck what you did some random celebrity in iceland or whatever on the other hand people have a lot more time in their hands (laughs) (laughs) and they're probably at home working from home more than likely and looking at their phone more than half of the day now they don't have their boss looking over their shoulder every time, every ten minutes or whatever. So, it, <laughs> yeah, like it, for every like five to maybe six people who see something about some guy named Ezra Miller choking someone out like across the pond, um, for every five people who see that and say, "Look, I am trying not to die during this whole thing," there's probably going to be like one or maybe two people. Who are going to say, wow, why are we focusing on... Okay, I've got nothing else to go on. Okay, this guy, (laughs) what the fuck was happening? I don't know why you would do that or you would even let yourself be seen doing this. Come on, man. We're we're all trying to survive here and you're out here... Being an asshole outside of Icelandic bars. (laughs) Okay, He's not only being an asshole, he is clearly violating the six feet like bubble that we're all <laughs> supposed to be trying to respect here. Son of a bitch. <laughs> you Social could... distancing, you ass. Yeah, what the hell? What a what a dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like of all the things that you could be doing right now, it's like you are breaking the Social distancing in the worst way possible. Going to public places, getting drunk, and then grabbing people by the neck. and At, at the worst possible time, <laughs> when everyone in America who actually watches your stuff has nothing better to do than to see what the fuck you did. Now, to, <laughs> to be fair, this might be fresh in my mind because I recently watched a knockback podcast, you know, one of the Colin Moriarty podcasts. Yeah, um, the guy from Kind of Funny, or formerly Kind of Funny, they had an episode where they're talking about Inglorious Bastards. So this might be why it's fresh in my mind. But the moment he grabs her by the neck, uh-huh. it, remi- it instantly brings to mind the Nazi choking his the guy, the oh. girl he wanted to date or whatever. Yeah, or <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'm confusing two scenes, but uh, where the main villain Nazi 
chokes out the girl who's undercover. <laughs> that, the, yeah, the, that that's what happens. Yeah, uh, there's the, two choking scenes basically yeah, where they, the Han, yeah. Hans Landa chokes out um, the German actress who's a, a plant. Yeah, so that it brought that uh, instantly <laughs> to mind when I saw it. just the the like randomness and suddenness of it. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. calm down, bro. I was not expecting this at all. Yeah. So. Uh, this brings up the bigger topic, like we were saying, you know, should you meet your heroes? And uh, this includes comic book heroes, you know, from artists to authors. Obviously, we we gripe on this show a lot. Yeah, yeah, we do. Let's face it, it's more fun to gripe than it is to praise sometimes. Although I do get pretty passionate when I praise people. So I guess there's, it's a two-sided coin there, but uh. You know, sometimes, more often than not, I don't really want to meet most of my heroes. It's nice, uh, you know, if I do, great, why not? Uh, But uh, I kind of really don't seek out (laughs) people that I really admire, like really I'm inspired by. You know, people that I'm fans of, not a big deal if they're kind of jerks. But if somebody I really love um, <laughs> and I find out they're a complete asshole, <laughs> like a lot of people have this Ooh. experience with like Harrison Ford, notoriously, <laughs> who is notoriously an asshole towards the press and fans. Probably um, the most uh, notorious curmudgeon in all of Hollywood. Yeah, I think Bruce Willis is famously another one. Oh, um, yeah, fucking paycheck player Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of them. And from their perspective, there's such huge stars that I'm sure they get annoyed by people on a daily basis, probably, probably <laughs> hourly yeah, basis. It, yeah, I was going to uh, say by the hour at least. So I, I get it. You know, <laughs> I totally understand. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld's another one that's notoriously kind of. <laughs> mean <laughs> and mean-spirited to people he meets ellen ellen's another one uh yeah so there's a lot of them that are notorious for being kind of jerks <laughs> when you meet them uh so i highly don't recommend uh you meet those people if they are your heroes because it'll probably put a sour taste in your mouth so uh i just thought it was it might be an interesting topic of discussion you know do you fear meeting your heroes one day if if possible and if so why well i think about uh a decade ago uh one of my heroes was mel gibson oh no (laughs) oh no there might have been a couple of reasons why i didn't want to meet that hero now, mind you, in recent... what a woman wants doesn't didn't give you any hits. Uh, oh, oh, is is that the thing that we're going with? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I'm allowed to. My mom's Jewish. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Um, Happy Passover. It's coming up. <laughs> I think. I don't know. Uh, I don't y- practice. Y- yeah. For those of you who do, you might want to. Uh, mark your threshold this year. Good God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can see how that might be an issue. Uh, yeah. Avoided <laughs> that bullet. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually, in happenstance, uh, kind of in passing, met a hero of mine. Did you? Do yeah. tell. Do tell. Um, 
He he has a, a kind of well-known event that happens here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, is it Arnold? It is Arnold. Arnold! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a, a thing back in like the early 2000s when the whole like commit to be fit thing was like really like ramping up. Yeah, for those of you unfamiliar, the North American branch of the Arnold Fest, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger's big fitness celebration. Basically a bunch of fitness people and performance arts people and weightlifters and everything you can imagine come to compete at the Columbus Convention Center, which is actually really nice and really large yeah. in downtown Columbus. And there's a big statue of Arnold, the the famous oak pose. Uh, oh, yeah. Down at the convention center and everything. And it, they do it every year. Uh, it looks like it's probably going to be canceled outright <laughs> because of planning issues and concerns. And there's been some concerns in recent years just because of logistics, because of how big it's been and how hard it is to coordinate everything. But he's been coming every year for several years now. So, uh not entirely surprised that uh, you may have come across him. And uh, according yeah. to everybody, he's very likable. Um, and, you know, I think under normal circumstances, I would probably have agreed with that. Oh, no. Yeah. No, Emery. Okay, okay, no. So he, <laughs> okay, so he, here's here's what happened. Um Either unbeknownst to me... Did he or... call you a girly man? Oh, no. Good <laughs> God, that would have broke me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Either that would have broke me or... God, I might have started juicing right after. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the roids? Like, uh, I have to start cycling now. Come on. <laughs> what am I, a bum? <laughs> no, um... So during uh, a commit to be fit thing that I was unaware of happening at uh, Easton Mall at the time, mm. coming out of Grater's ice cream, no less. Oh no! I, w- I was walking past. I was walking past Grater's ice cream. I think he was coming out of it, and I walked past him. Uh, like maybe got within like inches of him, and. Coming within inches of Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is not as tall as everyone thinks he is. No, he's pretty short. Yeah. Um, it was almost like, uh, how do I put this? Dodging a car on foot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, imagine a man who oh, no. is. You had an awkward moment. It's <laughs> like still kind of like a brick shit house, and someone. Someone who is at least a few inches taller than you is like walking by you, but like you're this like wide, like set man who's just like. Did you knock his ice cream out of his hands? <laughs> Tell me you did not <laughs> knock his ice cream out of his hands. I was fortunate enough to not only have not actually come into contact with him. Oh, you should have touched him. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> Still firm, I see, Arnold. Good job. <laughs> Bitch, you're in my hometown. 
I don't go over to Austria and mess with you. <laughs> this okay. is how we roll in Columbus, all right? We, gr- <laughs> we grow up our firm asses, all right? That's how we say hello. <laughs> Not getting, the butt. This is getting so far off the rails. It, it, it is a little bit. Continue um, your story. <laughs> uh, yeah. He gave me the stink eye. Aw. Which, uh, at the time... You sure he wasn't having another stroke? Uh, no, this is like early 2000s, mm. so this might have been a bit before stroke times. Yeah, heart attack issues. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I will say that uh, this was... I don't think I was quite 18 yet when this happened, so I was oh, uh, no. a petulant little shit. Oh, no. I just kind of like... So... Oh, no. You were he, a petulant little shit to Arnold Schwarzenegger because you weren't paying attention. Yep. Oh, yep. no. Like, uh, that, and he gave you the disapproval eye. He gave me the disapproving eye, and it was in giving me the disapproving eye that it... I immediately realized who I had nearly ran into. Like I saw the face of like, oh no. What have I done? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. Now, mind you, it was shortly after I started like thinking, oh no, to myself that I started to realize I was like, oh no. And I'm like, oh wait. I'm taller than you. (laughs) (laughs) Hollywood lies. (laughs) Yeah. He's definitely shorter than we thought. Yeah. He's about my height, (laughs) which is, you know, tall for an average person. Right. Not tall overall. (laughs) Right. Definitely not hulking, monstrous hunk of man tall. Yeah. Mind you, classic Hollywood trick, make a person look tall by hiring people shorter than him. (laughs) That and putting him on high shoes and filming at an angle. Yeah. You notice a lot of his camera angles are low and up. (laughs) (laughs) Making him seeming like a Dylan! Now, from that interaction, uh, would I recommend people meeting their heroes? Absolutely not. (laughs) Would I recommend people uh, sending me to meet their heroes for them? Absolutely. (laughs) I will channel that petulant little shit right all all over again. Do it. (laughs) Yeah, that does bring up a a, a major question, though. Is meeting your heroes more scary because they might disappoint you or because you're going to disappoint you? Uh, I mean, that is the question, isn't it? And so it's I, like a chicken or the egg type yeah, of question. It's like, which, which one is going to happen? If they're both going to happen, which one's going to happen first? Yeah. Should I care? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, think that, that is the, the thing that I, uh, like, I'm going to advertise this right now. If people want me to meet their heroes, uh, it, it, sure, go right ahead. Make it happen. Only if you want me to be a petulant little shit to them. Because <laughs> I, I can, uh, if you pay me enough, I can professionally give zero fucks. Nice. <laughs> Let's get you on Fiverr. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, I, it's, hey, in it, it, current times, if you want me to choke slam Ezra Miller, I'll do it. <laughs> Fuck I, yeah. I, I've probably got a foot on that motherfucker. Oh, man. 
<laughs> you know I don't like Ezra Miller. <laughs> I don't even know the guy, but I don't like him. It's like uh was like Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. She fucking Ooh. sucks. <laughs> I like her characters. I like her acting. I hate her as a person. <laughs> as a fundamental person. I hate is her. Is this because of goop? <laughs> it is because of goop <laughs> and all the bullshit she perpetuates. Uh, yeah, see, my answer to that would be scamming hippies, shoving eggs up their vaginas and shit. You, uh, my answer to that would be um, make a channel of videos where you uh, maybe completely uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Parody. That's the one. Parody their entire fucking line of merchandise that they're trying to push. <laughs> Goop, ridiculous. Like, like it, poog. Just, like, just call it poop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty easy. <laughs> it's like he's just, like she is selling she's you literally, shit. She's literally telling you it's shit, and you're <laughs> buying it anyway because you're fucking stupid. Oh, but it's uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, she could she's... easily make the argument that they're so stupid they deserve to be scammed, but. <laughs> It doesn't make it any less despicable. <laughs> I can kind of sympathize with that argument, but no, stop. Stop. Like, we should be lifting You're people wealthy up, enough. Stop tearing s- scamming down. people with your vagina eggs and your beehives. <laughs> Stupid shit. Ugh. God, it's so dumb. It is. It's really, it's really stupid. Having heroes. I think... That is another question that should come up. Should we have heroes? Should we, and more specifically, should we have heroes take the place that we want a hero to have, which is an object of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, An adoration. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, See, it's a complex feeling you know i i don't want to meet my absolute heroes because there's no way they can live up to my expectation if i do meet them someday and by some miracle they do live up to my ungodly expectations as i put them on a pillar way above everyone else then great wonderful but i i have no reason to want to do that now the question you know are you more nervous about them disappointing you or are you disappointing them I guess it doesn't really matter because <laughs> they're not going to remember you unless you do something serious like assault them like <laughs> Ezra Miller did. You know, I'm sure he, Ezra oh. Miller is going to remember this person for a long time. But Oh, he's never going to forget. Uh, <laughs> All then, 14 <laughs> seconds of that altercation. Yeah. So, you know, th- there's exceptions, obviously, but I don't, they're not they're so famous. They probably meet so many people. They're not even going to fucking know who you are you know 10 minutes from now let alone 10 years from now so it's more just torturing yourself at that point so that part i'm not really worried about for me it's far more uh you know are they gonna live up to my standard and if they don't live up to my standard and i find out they are mortal and they are human am i going to be able to continue enjoying their work as much as i did and admiring them and being motivated and inspired by them as much as i was before probably not i think twitter is the perfect example of how meeting your heroes can go terribly wrong um a lot of instagram instagram is another good place to find out how stupid 
the people that you like who are famous really are. Yeah, and I mean, we we talk shit on the show all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, we don't have the biggest, uh, broadest platform for eyes and ears, so it's not like it's going to be a big deal, you know, 40 years from now. But, you know, we're critical, uh, as we probably should be. And when we're irrational about it, we admit to it, I think, for the most part. So hopefully that covers our bases. But I, I'm sure, it, you know, Scott Snyder, for example, if he was listening to this episode and he heard my criticisms of his current work and he took it very personally and attacked me on social media or attacked the show on social media, I would get it. You know, I'd be like, yeah, you're protective over your work. You're proud of your work, you know, and you have this fucking nobody from bumfuck Ohio (laughs) on the Internet talking shit about you. I get it. You know, it's a hard world out there. But it would disappoint me because not because he's attacking me, but because he let it get to him, you know, and I I admire him a lot as a writer and as a creator and as, you know, one of the head people over at DC right now. I would respect him enough and hope because I have him on such a high pillar that he would be strong enough to resist the urge to start fights over the Internet about it. You know, I'm not saying he would, but it's just an obvious example that happened in this episode. I would welcome that i'm sure i mean it'd give us plenty of press you know <laughs> negative press is still good press for us uh, uh, at this it, point it, but uh yes yeah I, uh, for us in our small channel uh yes it would help us out being that put on blast to like <laughs> the entire world that's actually paying attention to scott cider yeah. right now that's not necessarily what i want to grow <laughs> by alienating people but uh, uh who gives a fuck right um the point being is that Scott Snyder, he does good work. We may be critical. Hell, he might be critical of us if he were to watch our show. He, hey, he's, probably he's have... commented on our Twitter before, so oh. we got that going for us. Hooray. We're insiders, man. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Notice he's, me. He's given us support in the past, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, much Very appreciated. Much appreciated, yeah. Uh, but... Uh, you know, like we've all got our tastes. We've all got our. Th- uh, there are artists who want to try new things because uh, I'm sure having like the same ten different stories being retold over and over again in comics might be a little draining, and trying to tweak things a little bit might not seem like the most creative thing. Yeah. Um. And you know, uh, I I get it. I do. Sometimes we we well, sometimes we read books where these people who were maybe just now getting into writing or doing art for comics uh, they're gonna be a bit rough. Yeah, like we, we're gonna be critical and hell if if these if we ever got to a point where people saw us as heroes. God forbid. God forbid. <laughs> what is, it, like, if anyone... I mean, I've done some cool stuff, I guess, but... Uh, if, if anyone... I'm probably here, a bad role model <laughs> overall. Please, for the love of God. <laughs> but please support us. <laughs> shameless. Support us. We're, we're shameless. Don't view us as heroes. We're terrible. <laughs> we really are. I think I literally said at the end of one of our recent <laughs> episodes, we're terrible people. <laughs> and I meant it. <laughs> I, I mean, yes, come over, support us. We'll entertain the shit out of you. <laughs> 
you should never look at us as role models. So I thought uh, it might be fun to real quickly, just before we end the show, just name a few of our comic book industry heroes that we would love to meet or maybe not meet for whatever reasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, you know, my biggest comic book heroes and modern comic books, uh, just to name a few off the top of my head, uh, Sean Gordon Murphy is a very obvious one I talked about today. I think yeah. he wrote the best Batman book I've ever read. My favorite Batman book of all time. Absolutely, unquestionably, uh, with the Batman and the White Knight uh, storyline, the original one, and then followed it up with a very good book, in my opinion. Uh, great artist, unique aesthetic, really awesome uh, work, both on the writing side and the drawing side. And I think he deserves all the success he's receiving right now. So he's one of my heroes. I don't know if I'd like to meet him or not. You know, again, it's like it's kind of weird. It's not like you're going to be their friend. I would love to be his friend <laughs> and kind of just hang out with him and come up with cool ideas with him. But yeah, as far as just a meeting greet or something, you know, unless I'm asking, I'm commissioning him to draw, you know, some custom art for me or something. Not really. Um, another one's Gail Simone who's you know a comic book writer that i respect very much i absolutely love gail simone's work i think she's done a lot for women in the comic book industry as far as gaining a lot of respect and not only for creators but also for uh characters that have been often neglected in comic books such as batgirl you know when she was oracle she was kind of ignored for the most part you know she obviously did some good stuff here and there but um she kind of gave a revival to Batgirl as a character, not just Barbara Gordon, but all <laughs> potential Batgirls. She made Batgirl respectable again. Now, DC shat upon that when she left, but, I mean, she did a wonderful job. Gil Simone also did a Red Sonia run, which is very good, you know, from <laughs> Boob Entertainment, I mean, Dynamite <laughs> Entertainment, which is... Shameless. You know, <laughs> I would imagine difficult to do in that environment, but... Uh, Gail Simone did a Domino book that was really good. She's just done a lot of really awesome books that really made female characters respectable and cool and gave great dynamics to the storyline. So Gail Simone, I follow her on Twitter. She's always po- pitching different ideas and asking fans what you know they think she could write well, which is always cool, fun interaction. She's always keeping the the fans active, which is cool. I don't know if I'd like her in person, but I sure feel like I would. So she's definitely one I would like to meet, would like to shake her hand, tell her how much she's meant to me in recent years with her, her writing and stuff. And then, it, obviously, again, much like Sean Gore Murphy, love to be his friend and would love to be Gail Simone's friend, assuming we're <laughs> compatible buddies. Right. Uh <laughs> And then the third one I I really thought of bringing up is Stepan Sajic. Oh yeah, you know oh, how much God. I love <laughs> Stepan Sajic is by far my favorite artist on in the market right now. He's been creating books for a while now as both a writer and a illustrator. Obviously, no more for his illustrations and his uh, covers, but excellent uh, dialogue writer. Really great at creating expressive. Uh, human characters with his artwork and his dialogue really love his work obviously as a saucier side uh so you, you never sunstone we're looking at you i'm sure he's a great person not so sure i want to meet him because <laughs> <laughs> i kind of wonder what's behind that mask you know uh, i'm sure he's a great guy i have no idea but uh obviously you know he's not 
necessarily born and raised in america so he's probably probably some language barriers there some cultural barriers there probably wouldn't be as fun to hang out with i could again i'm just could be wrong kind of wondering but i'm happy to view him on his pedestal from far away (laughs) and continue (laughs) enjoying his many great works because he absolutely is my favorite artist on the market and one of my favorite writers really love stepan sajik's work um yeah if i meet him here or there great and again if we're compatible buddies by all means let's hang out (laughs) and create some new stuff i would love if i could write a book that he illustrated that that would be my absolute dream if i was a comic book creator so just thought i'd throw those out there how about you oh man the people that i would consider comic book heroes that i would I would love to just be a fly on the wall for their creative process. Um, Todd McFarlane. Of course, being the big spawn mark that you are. Yep. Jim Lee. Which is probably a common answer for a lot of people, and understandably so. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the guy is... He's so incredible as an artist when he has the time to be the artist he is and not crushed by a million different projects and things. Because we all want him to draw all of the things because he's so good at it. Yeah, helped found Image is currently the head of DC Creative, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he founded Image and he's currently head of <laughs> DC Productions <laughs> and he's still doing variants for Marvel. <laughs> yeah, like The dude <laughs> just does everything and he does it however he wants yeah. <laughs> the the comic book world wants his nuts so goddamn bad it's true and it's, it's unavoidable i was actually kind of annoyed uh, by a lot of people i followed on the, the internet that would kind of criticize artists for copying his kind of aesthetic and art style uh during the launch in the new 52 in particular there's a lot of artists that were kind of very jim lee inspired uh creations but you got to understand jim lee was creating the designs for all of these characters you know for the new launch (laughs) it wasn't just out of nowhere it's because jim lee was the source code and they were adapting the source code to their own styles like and if you're going to copy somebody fuck yeah i'm gonna copy jim lee (laughs) why wouldn't i it it's almost like his art was uh one of two parts of the most successful single issue of a comic book of all time. Yeah. So, <laughs> shut you, the fuck up. <laughs> you, you don't get better than the guy who did X-Men number one. You don't. <laughs> yeah. There is literally no issue, no single issue of a comic book in existence that has been printed more or purchased more. If you're going to copy anyone, you copy Jim Lee. Yeah. If you're going <laughs> to tell someone to copy someone, you tell them to copy Jim Lee. Yeah. So. If, if they have their own ideas, sure. Please, by all means, branch out, make your own aesthetic. That That is what the comic book industry needs more of. But Jim Lee cannot be denied for being one of the most prolific artists in since comic books inception 
So yeah, I'd like to meet him. Yeah, <laughs> totally get it. I, I would like to meet him. If and I had an extended list, he would definitely be on it. Yeah, yeah. It was like I, I, I would, I would love to meet him and tell him to slow down. <laughs> For Please. the love of God! <laughs> Please, before you kill yourself, Jesus. <laughs> just doing so much. It's like Elon Musk. He must never sleep. The man is the atlas of the comic books industry. He really is, man. <sighs> Poor guy. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, to contrast that, I and in a very, I mean, this is kind of a guilty pleasure. Rob Liefeld. Whoa! <laughs> I did not expect that one. Is it his feet? I bet it's his feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean those fucking shovels at the bottom of people's legs that he keeps drawing? Yeah. Well, it's, it's not worse than the talon that Jim Lee drew a few <laughs> weeks ago on that variant cover. <laughs> Holy shit. Ugh. Look. Definitely it, overworked. Goddamn. Yeah. Uh, Rob Liefeld, I consider a hero if for no other reason than I... I'm an unabashed fan of literally most of the things that came out of the 90s. And Rob (laughs) Liefeld has a lot of awesome character designs and drawings. He does. He just uh, struggles with appendages. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When it comes to... Which, to be uh, fair, is probably the hardest part of character drawings. Right. Like, when it comes to drawing perspective, it's a little bit of a challenge. (laughs) Sometimes a, a person's arm or hand, when they're like pointing it towards the camera of his eyeball, uh, might come out uh, a little distorted when he puts it down on paper. Yeah. <laughs> but you cannot deny that that man, that man was very prolific in comics when he was just a teenager. Yeah, no doubt. It was like literally. Becoming a teenage comic book artist was the dream of any person who was into comics during the 90s. What? Yeah. (laughs) Who does that? Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I would love to meet Rob Liefeld. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, one one thing we didn't talk about, because, of course, we always got to skew negative a little bit. Comic book villain. I well, I I thought of a guy that mm-hmm. is notorious for being very unlikable <laughs> in the comic book industry in person, despite being an <laughs> incredible and iconic creator. Mm, I don't know. Are, if... are there initials MW? No, <laughs> but I see your point. <laughs> <laughs> the person I was thinking of is Alan Moore. Who is notoriously reclusive, refuses to work with big companies anymore, is very salty about everything, including fans, <laughs> and uh, is very abrasive as a personality. I, I am I, uh, not nearly on enough drugs to ever meet that man in person. I have <laughs> I have no reason to want to ever meet Alan Moore, ever. <laughs> <laughs> now, another person that... There are lions in the Serengeti that have less hair than him. There's another guy that's a little bit. Uh, I wouldn't. He's not known for being abrasive necessarily, but he's definitely known for being out there and being weird and kind of is uncomfortable. It, is it GM? 
It is GM. <laughs> <laughs> Grant Morrison. My God, that mad lad. Yeah, he's not necessarily known for being unlikable. Probably the opposite, as far as I understand. But he's also known for being kind of difficult and very weird and eclectic, <laughs> which understandable based on the stuff he creates. Uh, right. His creations... They definitely, like, if I were to attribute any kind of drug to the uh, creations that he made, I'm going to go with mushrooms. Straight up. <laughs> Every time. Uh, there's definitely psychedelics involved, for sure. Oh, yeah. No doubt. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a good place to end it. What do you think? you have anything to add? Um, at the end of the day, people we'd like to meet people that we would never like to meet ever. Uh, regardless, we're going to, in one way, shape, or form, appreciate their work. It's comics. That's what we do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, we're critical all the time in here. It's just easier to be critical than it is to be, you know, uh, productive. You know, we often give constructive criticism with our <laughs> criticism. <laughs> Our overall criticism. So yeah, it uh, is. It's usually not without some kind of merit, but we, if we're logical about our hatred or dislike of something, we're very open about it. I think for the most part. So hopefully, any creators uh, that are watching or listening, <laughs> don't take <laughs> it personally. We're just a couple of schmoes. <laughs> oh yeah. What the fuck do we know? Um, but uh, don't don't take it to heart because obviously we don't dislike you as a person unless you're Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, <laughs> you just, you couldn't help yourself. You really couldn't help yourself with I that one. I had to slide one in. Just like the <laughs> vagina egg. <laughs> Nut to butt. <laughs> to be fair, Kevin Smith also hates her. So Kevin Smith's the most lovable guy in the world. So Ooh, man! How do you how do you get on the bad side of Kevin Smith? Exactly. <laughs> I think Mark Bernardin probably doesn't help either. Uh, but uh, oh man, T talking about depressing. Hearing Kevin Smith on his podcast, Fat Man on Batman, or Fat Man Beyond, whichever one they're calling it now. Yeah. Having Mark Bernardin tell him th about Diamond shutting down, and then him realizing that the stash might have to shut down. Ooh. and might go out of business because they can't get any supply was so fucking depressing <laughs> hearing that you literally are listening to him finding this out live on the show and just being so like blown away and depressed and like the vibes totally died <laughs> on that episode oh yeah I, I only recommend if you're out there go listen to that last episode of fat man on batman because that i felt and I think crushed. they rushed. They, they did <laughs> that without an audience, didn't they? Yeah, no audience. They were yeah. supposedly six feet apart, although we couldn't see it, obviously. And yeah. then they had some people talk about, you know, getting tested and stuff like that. But yeah, I I, I got to see the the video was, of that. It was soul crushing. Uh, uh, yeah, they they maintained social distance. <laughs> they did in their own weird way. <laughs> that being said, watching someone realize that their own shop is probably going to have to close in real time yeah. i can't even mm. yeah, i mean was... i can imagine it because i watched it but good god if it, i were a it was shop very owner, uncomfortable if i were a shop owner 
listening to one of the most famous shop owners of all time saying that this situation is going to make them close their store. Yeah, my butthole Ugh. would be puckered. I mm. would be very, very afraid. It, so, yes. Uh, did not... Did not enjoy that, but it it's good to listen to just to get perspective on how serious the situation is. Yeah, that so. was a, that was a real moment. Uh, just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah. Uh, once again, thank you for sticking with us for another mediocre edition of Hit the Books podcast. Mediocre. Thank you all for watching, listening, subscribing, liking, supporting, and of course check out our Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash Hit the Books. Check out our YouTube channel, our Spotify, or Stitcher, or iTunes. Uh, Podbean, etc. We're on all these great, wonderful services to listen and watch for free. Although it doesn't, it isn't free to produce this show. We sacrifice many hours editing, filming, recording, setting everything up. Uh, obviously, subscribing to our subscription service so we can edit everything in Adobe Premiere, which costs a good amount of change. So we are absolutely losing money doing this. It's just we are so passionate. And we love the subject matter so much. Uh, we could really use the support if you can spare it. Again, no support needed. Just give us a like, subscribe, share. Tell your friends. Anything you can do to help us out, it would be much appreciated. And we love you for it. Uh, if not, feel free to be freeloaders, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll be here for your viewing and listening pleasure for the foreseeable future. Hopefully the comic book industry is not doomed, but we'll see. <laughs> Uh, once again, thank you very much. We love you very much. Go check out Batman circa 1966. We put a free link to go watch it if you so choose and go check out our uh, discussion on comic movie master list where we review it and give it a grade. Um, have a good time. Forget about the Rona for a little bit and enjoy some Adam West and Burt Ward dynamic duo action. God, I was about to turn my Sharona into a very topical song, but I'm not going to do it. My Corona. <laughs> <laughs> coughing, 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 coughing. Woo! <laughs> oh, no. It's <laughs> terrible. You can have any virus you want. See, I told, as long as it's a Corona. I told you, we're terrible people. <laughs> we, we're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Let, 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 me, let me walk that back. We are not the worst. We are in no way. Ezra Miller is clearly the worst. Let's be fair now. He is not in public office. <laughs> it could always be worse. Whoa! <laughs> Save the snarky political commentary for Batman sixty six. <sighs> yeah, that that's for another channel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, we love you. Thanks for watching, listening. We will see you next week on another edition of Hit the Books Podcast.